Welcome one, welcome all to The Tension. I am your host, Mick White. The Tension is a podcast all about putting two theological subjects into right relationship and finding the truth that God desires for his church. It is our hope that the show will be able to reach the lost, equip the saints, and challenge you to think deeper into the things of God for the glory of God. We are thankful and excited that you have decided to spend some time with us today and pray that in some way you will be blessed by the conversation. I am joined with my co-host, as always, my brother, friend, and pastor, Eric Moran, how are we doing today, brother? Doing all right, brother. <laughs> Wonderful. So we are going to continue where we left off last time. This is part two of Jesus's worldview and the modern worldview. Last time we left off with Psalm 82, and we know that some of this may sound very different from what you have been taught inside of church. It also may not be different for some. We don't know all who listens and all that good stuff, but... The whole reason we started this was to be able to enter into discourse and be able to uh, grow together and learn and be the embodiment of the one one body under one head and all those things. So I am going to turn over the reins to uh, Brother Eric here, and he's going to continue. And then when something sounds too confusing, I will uh, chime in here. So I'm ready ready to learn, sir. Okay, so the importance of this is to try and put ourselves inside of Jesus' worldview eventually so that we can then compare it to our modern understanding today and then bring those into right relationships. So building off of last week, we were in Psalms 82, and Psalms 82, 1 through 7, was talking about God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. He holds judgment, and that word Elohim we had built out was the same because Elo is singular, him is plural. So Elo has taken his place as singular in the divine council in the midst of the Elohim, those that are like him but not him, he holds judgment. And what he was asking is, how long are you going to judge unjustly and how long are you going to show partiality to the wicked? And then he turns and he gives him a command, give justice to the weak and the fatherless, maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. So he's still giving them the ability to rule but he's telling them and asking them questions the same way hopefully your relationship with Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ does inside of the life that you're living. Because um, the same commands are, are then given to us. I mean, go and do justice, uh, walk rightly, uh, rescue the weak and the needy, deliver them from the hand of the wicked. But we have to understand there is a wicked hand. There is a true kingdom of darkness. There right. are other gods yes. um, that have now been banished, but they are the gods that you were warned about when he said, put no other God before me, the first 10 commandments, uh, the 10 commandments. Mm -hmm. um, we have to start seeing its convergent space that there are mm. a it's, it powers, principalities, authorities, and heavenly places that are leading guiding and directing is you know the christianese prayer of lead god and direct us where we will go um it, it's just as available on the kingdom of darkness side as it is the kingdom of light right um and once again as you continue to learn or as i continue to learn i should say it's i, I do all this oh my goodness and oh my goodness on uh -huh. on the dark side of it yeah, yeah. and it's it's always good to remember but greater is he that's in you, and greater is the kingdom of light. And even right. though you're learning about these dark things, don't let the darkness become overwhelming, although it should become very, very heavy and, and, and have a gravity to it once we start to look at it. Because here in Psalms 82, he turns and he says, 
look, now you've made a people that have no knowledge or understanding and they, they walk around in darkness and their foundations, the foundations of the earth are shaken. Hmm. Well, the answer to that, when we get into the new Testament through Jesus Christ's work in proclamation to his disciples that then they just, you know, disseminate to us, mm-hmm. it, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have the fact that in the darkness, the light came and a baby was born unto us in Isaiah. Right. I was just going to say right there that it, it's interesting that you put it that way because there was a, a long time ago, I was like heck bent on being a rock star and making it in the music industry. And <clears throat> I don't know why, but I basically, I told my wife, I was like, I had the premise, you know, I believe in God, but I don't really know. And I always hear that the, the industry is dark and wicked and all those things like that, but I don't really know the enemy. You know, and so it's like, how can I defeat the enemy unless I know the enemy? Well, I went down the rabbit trail of rabbit trails. That's when I discovered that YouTube had a very dark side that you can go down, and it is deep, buddy. It's it's an abyss if I've ever seen one. But it actually led me to the point that it was such a it was such a like a a shake. You know, it, was, it kind of jarred my reality for for the better, of course. But at the time, it really like it kind of made a lot of those things really real to me when I went back in scripture and started reading, don't put other gods before me. You know, how great is the darkness that is in you? You know, if you're, if you're not being aware of it and all those things, when I, when I really experienced it, that's when it became real to me. So yes, sometimes it does sound like it's presented to you in a way that it's like, yeah, that's none of that's real. None of that's real. Da da da. But the more that you're teaching and the more that we're talking there's a lot of people who really don't put as much stock into that reality as they should. But when you put it in the lens of scripture, it's talking about, Oh, this is real. This is a, this is a reality. And if you're being blind to it, don't think for one second that this joker is not going to take you along for a ride. So I was just trying to express to the, to the, to the listeners as well, that like, this is an actual thing. It's not just, you know, fairy tale make believe these are real realities that do exist in our present world in the convergent space absolutely and <clears throat> as you were saying that the easiest way for me to kind of build out of that is in the new testament coney greek there's three words that we just have the english word life for so there's zoe life which is spiritual life there's psyche life which is mental life and then there's bio life which is creaturely life or material life biological life um when you say yeah this isn't this or i don't i I, that's a thought of denial Mm -hmm. but there's a spirit of denial yeah okay so your (laughs) thought doesn't just come from anywhere right it is it has a spirit behind it and a spirit of doubt did not come from god it comes from the kingdom of darkness a spirit of denial a spirit (laughs) of laziness a spirit of and so when you start to realize wait a minute my thoughts are part of a kingdom, right? Um, I shouldn't deny anyone's words. That that doesn't change that I have to believe them or that I have to put weight in them. Right. But to deny what's being said and close my ears, yeah, that's to isolate. Right. God has never said live in isolation. It's not good for you to be alone. Right. Because you're denying mm-hmm. once again. Why would you deny <laughs> if you're seeking the truth? Right. Because it'll make you lazy. Right. Because that becomes your habit. Right. And our habits are what we do because we're creatures of okay, habit. Yeah. So if your thought life becomes habitual, it's going to leak into your physical life being mm-hmm. habitual, which means you're spiritually 
stagnant if you're a believer and Absolutely. could be signs that you're spiritually dead if not. Yeah, right. There's so much language where we're going next as far as the mind, but the only way you're going to do justice is to think just thoughts. The only way you're going to do right is to know the truth. Right. The only way you're going to be able to rescue is to have something that rescues through you. Well, it's the same thing when David talks about the the meditating on your law day and night. He's talking about he's meditate means to mutter those things. Right. So what is, what is that other than muttering the truth to yourself to remind yourself so that that way you are taking every thought captive, you'll be able to tell the difference between the truth and a lie based upon what your thoughts are and what you're pouring yourself into. Because I noticed the more that I looked into the, the darkness and things like that, the more it became very real, the more I became surrounded by it to the, the point that, you know, I had an, ex, you know, I had an experience with it. And <clears throat> so I don't rule any of that stuff out, but I also tell, I also tell people on the backside of that, in my experience, the reason that I had that experience is because I was spending hours at a time listening to things that I shouldn't be listening to and basically playing in a dark room where I had no idea what was inside of the room. And I'm just walking around. Of course, I'm going to stumble into something eventually. And that's when it became very real to me that this is an active relationship and you are either of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. There is no in between. And when Jesus said, you're the temple. Yeah, he, he's not playing. And he wasn't just talking to believers. <laughs> right. You know, we, we turn that into a Christianese thing, you know, because Christ said that to those that you know, hold our Christian doctrine. Right. That's a Christian thing. No, you're a temple. You were created to worship and serve God. Mm -hmm. Now, if that isn't the God of all creation, there are other gods yes, that are, are going to enter into that space because that's what you were created for is that space. Right. And ultimately, whatever you love, and pursue is going to become your God because that's what you're going after. Here we have Yahweh in the midst of his divine council of B'nai Elohim, sons of God, mm -hmm. that are like him, but they're not him. And the easiest way for me to keep putting that in front of people where they're more comfortable with is when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. He says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Yep. So he was selecting his 12 disciples, filling them with the message so that he could leave them as his apostolic authority, as his divine counsel. Fast forward to Revelations 4 through 7 with the finished work where Christ is there with the 24 elders mm -hmm. as the 12 apostles from the New Testament, the 12 tribes of Israel in the Old Testament. They're his divine counsel. Mm -hmm. Now, they're not Jesus. No. But they're of Jesus. Right. There's a divine counsel of Yahweh in mm -hmm. the Old Testament that he's making a mirror image here on earth as it already is in heaven. But the already is in heaven from the very beginning of Job or when we're picking up here in uh, Psalms with mm -hmm. David, whether the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, yep. it is a theological worldview that Christ clearly held along with the Second Temple Jews understanding of God mm -hmm. that if we don't learn in our today and on our modern worldview, right. we end up trying to make something fit into our modern worldview Absolutely. without understanding the authority and the power that's understanding this. Yep. So when we look at this and we say, okay, Yahweh is challenging them to do right, which means they either have the ability to and aren't, or right. they have the ability to and they are, to where there are gods for us and there are gods against us, but yep. there's only one true Yahweh creator God. Right. All right. With that said, he says, nevertheless, you're going to 
die because of the fact that you're anti or against or destroying my creation. All right. When we get to that part and we, we understand that he's saying, listen, you're going to be judged. And New Testament says we're being trained to judge those B'nai Elohim. Mm-hmm. Um, when we start to look at that and we get back to Deuteronomy 32, 7 through 9, it says this, remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you your elders, and they will tell you. Verse 7. Most people would look at verse 7, and they'd skip it and just go into, when the Most High, that would be Yahweh, gave the nations their inheritance, and he divided mankind, and he fixed their borders of the peoples according to the number of the B'nai Elohim. So his divine counsel, he splits up the geographical areas, and he gives all mankind to his divine counsel. Yep. As ruling authorities right gives them nations and peoples to where they're their god mm-hmm. okay with that said go back up to seven it says remember consider and ask mm-hmm. and those are the three commands in the three verses yes they are all three of those are mind things yes they are all right so to remember the days of old is the history god is allowed to take place for us to be able to go back and learn right to consider, once again, gets back to that meditating, which is going to lead to muttering. Mm-hmm. Muttering is going to lead to asking, because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Correct. The mouth to the heart it has to go through the mind. Right. And now we're trying to bring all of these this, these pieces together, because the more we get to in right relationship and we understand who it is and why we do what we do and why we say what we say, right. and we fall in love with the one thing, the one thing becomes the one thing that does start to speak to us or starts to stand out, or right. we, we see the gospel and everything. Inside of this worldview, Deuteronomy 32 worldview, the ancient Near Eastern Torah believer knew there was the Most High, Yahweh, that he had gotten to the point at the Tower of Babel to, that he had already rescued them from the B'nai Elohim that had rebelled by the flood. Mm-hmm. He had taken the lives of most, but not all, of the Nephilim, which becomes your roaming spirits because they've now been kicked out of the third heavens, but right, right, cannot, right. well, can't return to the third heavens, but they can't actually stay in the first heavens. And, and, and we'll get into that in another time. But ultimately, all of mankind was given over to God. And now, why is that important? Or where would you see that in, inside of your New Testament? Um, you go to John 3, and John 3 says this, Right after 16, not many people read 17 and 19. It says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Mm-hmm. All right. Everybody's already condemned because God gave them over at this point. Right. The only way back in is through Father Abraham, which he says, My allotment, and this is Deuteronomy. 32, 7 mm-hmm. through 9, actually 9 says, and my allotment's going to be Jacob. Right. All right. And Jacob means liar or deceiver. Yes, it does. All right. So he knows that we're liars and deceivers. He knows that we're broken. Yes, we are. But through the Father and the Son, yes. the Spirit will change the heart yeah. of the deceiver, Amen. and we become Israel, one that strives with God and with man. Yep. And you have all that theology built out back there. But it's right here that if you do not enter into that new regenerate life, you were born dead, spiritually separated. You were condemned already. Jesus didn't come and say, like, oh, you're in, you're in, you're out. <laughs> you're cool, you're cool, you're not, you know, from the movie. But you know, Thanks for the Snickers. Yeah. It, 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 that's not what's going on. We were all 
turned over to these false gods because right. we loved them more than the one that deserved the love. So he says, I've given all mankind over at the Tower of Babel, splits them into 70 nations, and that's, you know, um, tradition says they were split into 70 nations. Right. Um, and a, 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 a god that has a geographical name is a Shadim. Right. So a Shadim is, is, is your basically ruling gods. So when he says, put no other god before me, that's not like an imaginary thing. He's saying there are these other gods. When we get to that and we get back to Deuteronomy, we have to start tracking Jesus. I start, start tracking the history up to Jesus, I guess, is where, where I need to start. And coming out of the desert, while they were in exile, they were a bunch of grumblers. But there are certain things that God could only show you while you're dislocated. Um, n- number one, this is not our home. Right. Number two, you're not like everyone else. Um, number three, if you had the faith and listened to me, it would have been a lot shorter and easier. But because of your stubbornness, I continue to have to throw these obstacles in, in, into your life. Um, many, many lessons. And then they walked around like, oh, our kids are going to be so messed up because, I mean, it's like, no, no, once you grumblers pass away, I'm going to do mighty things in your children's lives because they're they're not where you are. Right. And that's beautiful to us today because no matter how bad it gets, God yeah. says, I'll take care of your kids. Mm. I'll take care of your grandkids. Amen. Um, we track them over into the promised land. When they get into the promised land, Joshua leads them over instead of Moses, and Moses can't lead them over because Moses represents the law. The law is not going to be able to lead you over the waters of death. Only Joshua, which is Yahshua, which is Jesus. Jesus is our conqueror, and Jesus is the one that will walk us through our death. Jesus is the one that's going to lead all of this spiritual warfare. When we get into the book of Judges, we get over into Joshua. Joshua leads them over. And then there's these things about kill everything that breathes air. Yeah. I, I actually remember reading that, and I was thinking to myself, I don't like the way that sounds. And, and I'm, I realize now you kind of you can't get away from having that thought because that's running through your filter like you were telling me. I didn't realize it at the time, but you were like, you know, you're building your, your filter. So I was reading, and I get to that part with Joshua, and it says, go kill everything. And I was really struggling with it for a minute, you know, because I was like, well, these aren't really the characteristics that I hear of God inside of church. Well, then, so I decided to chase that rabbit, and it didn't take me very long. It was just like probably seven or eight minutes and some Google searches, and basically it boils down to in their time, in their in the uh, Near Eastern worldview, <clears throat> when they went into those wars, it was a God versus God war. It was like our God is going to face your God and whoever, whoever's God wins is the stronger God. So it wasn't like, and when I, when I put it through that, that perspective, I was like, well, yeah, God has to win. I mean, that's like, (laughs) if, if he is the, the one true God, of course he would, he would win and he would absolutely decimate anyone else who's challenging his authority. And then all of a sudden, when I looked at it through those lenses, the thoughts I had before were just gone because I was I was like, well, yeah, I mean, it has to be that way. He is the ultimate authority. He is the one true God. He is the one who actually has the say. And it doesn't really matter what you, what my opinion of it is. I'm not God. He is. 
but what you were struggling with is your opinion being what started instead of it being a God-centered worldview like they started with. We start with an individualistic, Western, materialistic worldview that you have to say, I don't like that. Right. Let me find out what I don't know because I apparently something's off. Exactly. What, what I'm being told and what I'm reading exactly are now asking a question. Right. Um. And we live in a time period where you could go find the answer. Yes. And and you're responsible for that. Yep. They automatically knew that this was a god versus another god, and still today, if you don't think that the reason that we had to withdraw out of the Middle East was because they were fighting because they believed in their God. Yes. And that's not why we were over there. No. Um, But you're not going to run somebody off of their property, believing in their God, because you'll have to kill them all. Yes. Which is why God says, kill them all. Yes. And devote them to me. Yep. Every time that it says, go in, kill everything and devote it to me, there's a Raphaim or an Anakin that is in that sentence, in Mm. that set, set of scripture. Right. Well, that Anakin and Raphaim are direct descendants of the Nephilim, meaning mm-hmm. that the Gibor, the, the, the Nephilim, the giants, were why God had said, put the Ark of the Covenant in front of me. This is my battle. If you'll just be my hands and feet, I'm going to destroy the things that you can't. And that's why he said devote these certain places, because they had grown up and put all of their understanding, faith, and loyalty mm-hmm. to what had to be destroyed. Right. Because if you don't, they're going to teach you more about what they believe than you're ever going to teach them about what you believe because they're full-born believers in whatever they're believing. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an evangelical tip today. If somebody totally believes in their stance, Mm -hmm. you're not going to argue them out of it. Right. I mean, and, and hopefully they can't argue you out of yours because you truly believe it. And that's where crisis is so love them where they are. Right. Um. You're not the judge, and God's going to Correct. do what God's going to do on it. You know, vengeance is mine. Mm-hmm. You're free from trying to be something you're not, which mm-hmm. is, I don't know, God. Right. So it's important today. As, as we go into the history of Joshua, he goes in, he takes over these places, and where they're going to is settling in the, in the land. They don't run them all out. David ends up doing that with Goliath and his brothers. <laughs> Ultimately, they become a settled nation, the nation of Israel in the promised land. Mm -hmm. From the time that they get settled, things get worse because they want to be like the other nations. They want to have a king like the other nations. They want to get away from just having an individual personal dependence on God. And then as a people collectively loving one another, lifting up no one but God, they want to start mirroring the, the nations around them, and God allows them to do that. And even when you read Moses, Moses understood they were going to do that. Um, so ultimately, you have the nation of Israel all the way up through David. David is the warrior. He finally runs off the things that God needed to be destroyed to move, move into the next chapter. Uh, he goes to say, hey, let me build a temple. God says, you got too much blood on your hands to represent the one that's going to build my temple, my, my, my residence, my, my presence on earth. So David starts getting all the materials. Solomon comes in after him. Solomon builds the temple, and there's not a greater time of prosperity for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, as Solomon, and it destroys them totally. Mm-hmm. And he had 700 wives and 300 hookers. Yep. He makes gardens that there are still evidence of the garden today and by satellite. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, so it, he, he did show 
what the ultimate prosperity would be. Mm. And it destroyed him because the God of prosperity is really Baal. Mm. The God of depending on him is the God that we, we love and, 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 and trust. Amen. Uh, he can give you good things and he should equally be able to give you bad things. And it shouldn't destroy your love and your, your respect for him. Um, and that's why our lives are, are the, what they are in this, inside this revelation. Mm. Once you have Solomon, Solomon, by making all those gardens, by having all those wives with all of the places they came from, with the things that they believed, really, really worked the Israelite people like slaves in a lot of right. ways. Well, when Solomon dies off, you know, the young guy comes up, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, and goes to the elder council, and he's like, hey, what should I do as far as this? My my kids are saying this and that, and now I've got people saying that they're, they're not going to work for me. or So the elders say, well, if you'll just show them a little bit of grace and just back off a little bit. I mean, you're not even, you don't have a thousand people to, to, to do, and, and just and he, just let them have some rest. And he does not do that. Well, it's because he goes to his younger crowd and his younger yeah. buddies, and, and they're like, oh, man, if your daddy was bad, be twice as bad. And that's, yeah. that's what he goes with. Okay, so 10 of the tribes succeed or, you know, they, 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 they rebel or they, they leave the, the coalition of the 12. Yeah, 10 they, go north. They just chuck the deuces. They're out. <laughs> yes. more. <laughs> they go north and they make Samaria their capital. All right, so right. this is where we get the Samaritan woman at the well. Right. This is the 10 tribes go north. Well, the two tribes that stay down south are Judah and Benjamin. They get the temple. And that means all the Levites get kicked out because the Levites had to stay with the temple. Right. Because they're the Lord's possession. It didn't really matter. Levites stayed down south also. Gotcha. All right. Well, when they go up north, uh, Jeroboam in in the north sets up a golden calf at the northern point and the southern point hmm. so that they could go worship at the cave and not have to go back to Jerusalem because he doesn't want them to go there and, and, and right. you know, feel led to go back to worshiping the way they're supposed to worship, go back and, and regain love and trust with their brothers. Um, he sets that up in the north. Well, in the south, they're like, oh, look at those dirty idolaters. They're all mixed <laughs> in the world. And I mean, I know they were at the club last night. And here they are in the choir. That's what it would sound like today, right? I mean, so they've got this judging po- yeah. posture towards the 10 that go up north. Right. So Assyria starts to really challenge Israel just because of the geographical border. They're going through these things. Their brother could come to their aid. They don't. They end up falling in 722. Um, so in 722 BC, Israel falls, and the other two, Benjamin, uh, yeah, Benjamin and Judah, are in the south. And the biggest thing is they they really don't they don't do anything to impact that. Now, what I need the reason I build all this out is when we get to Israel being overcome or going into exile. When a country goes into exile, there's the custom of assimilation. All right, so an exile that is being exiled by a foreign enemy will take first their wisdom, their royalty, their all the people they look up to, right. and they take them back to their country. Hmm. But then they take the other people and they send them to multiple places to to to, spore, to, to exile them into assimilating inside of multiple populations. So they basically like thin the herd and then scatter them and put them into different populations. Right. But they wanted the wisdom and they wanted the royalty in the defeating country, whoever the country is that's defeating them. So the Syria would have taken all their royalty, all their wise men, all of their, you know, astrologers, all that would have gone back to Assyria. 
Okay. Because it's going to help their strength. You know what I'm saying? Ah, okay, we we gotcha. want the wisdom. We want we want the tools, but we don't really care about the sheep. Just spread them and let them. Okay. They'll forget who they are in in Israel. Yeah. Just spread them and they'll forget. And and what you do is you try and make it as multifaceted inside of the the people and multifaceted inside of the belief systems and multifaceted as you can mm. because then nobody knows who they are. Right. So you're messing up where you're sending them. You're messing up who you're sending. You're just you're you're trying to have mass unknown identity. Right. Because small sectors that don't like each other are easy to rule. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kind of like racism and school shootings and everything else yeah. that America does, I don't know, during election year. Yeah, they fight each other. All right. So when there's a purpose in that. There's, oh, yeah. there's a spirit behind that. All right. Well, when Israel is disseminated into the world, they're assimilated into the world, is what I should say, and it, there's an intent there. Well, what are the prideful two brothers at the bottom judah and benjamin oh, i mean they're all half-breeds look they ain't even true they're not even true jews anymore <laughs> they're out there doing this and that so they literally hate them because of their selling out when they were not oh, even protected by their brothers and sisters so yeah. this is where we get to the woman in, at the well right she, the disciples are like you're not really gonna go through samaria are you don't talk to her dude he's like i got somewhere to go <laughs> yeah they would and historically, they would go all the way around Samaria when they would go on their Passover trips. I mean, wow. it's, yeah, it's, it's days extra just not to step foot in the half-breed's land. So it's basically like, why are you taking the shortcut? No one takes the shortcut. We all take the long way. When a Jew talked to a Samaritan, they wanted to know why. Yeah, there's got to be a good reason, or it better be a good reason. But when you see the parable of the Samaritan, and and even if if you watch the parable and he's like, so who is the good person? And the Samaritan is yeah. the answer, but he goes, the guy that showed the most love. Yeah, they don't even want to say it. They won't admit it because of their own bias and hatred. Right. Makes it very real because every one of us had that. You yeah. know, to, to like say, oh, and look at them. They were all, no, it, it's a reminder right. that this is about all of us. Right. Um, In history, Israel is now taken over by Assyria. They are disseminated, or I keep saying it, assimilated into the different cultures and seven uh, five eighty seven is when babylon and nebuchadnezzar start well that's not when they start that is when they actually sack the temple and take them into captivity and the whole nation of israel that all 12 tribes at that point are now exiles but this really started in 597 597 bc is the first date when they came in and they deported all of those not worthy all of those people that were worth taking yeah. they actually took out in 597 okay so 587 means it was all like those people they really didn't think they were going to be able to run the country anyway right but ezekiel would have been in the first deportation okay so when you when you're tracking the book of ezekiel ezekiel is already in bondage before the fall of the temple because he was one of the first he was in the first diaspora Okay. Um, you know, history fact, just so that when you start putting these things together and you go back to the Bible and hopefully you're reading it with this theology where you're trying to put it together. Right. Um, inside of 597, the first deportation, Ezekiel and most of the scholars and the, and the people of power and royalty were actually deported then. And then in 586, Jerusalem falls and Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Solomon's temple is destroyed. Now, why is that important? Just in mixed own words, why is that important that then, then the temple fell? Well, a lot of their identity, a lot of their identity was inside of the temple, wasn't it? They kept saying, "There's no way God can be overcome." 
Yeah, well, yeah, they were they were thinking well because they're operating under the the uh, incarnate God was going to come and was going to establish it, rule the government on it, you know, put the government on his shoulders. It was really like a, it was the most in the most physical sense of it. Like they were like, well, we can't we can't be overcome because our God is the one who's he's said that he's going to be the be the ruler of everything. Okay, so that theology doesn't come out until after this because that's Isaiah. Huh. But because okay. we're so used to it, well, you know, no, 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 it, it's not a wrong thing. That's that's why I asked, right? And that's why we're doing what we're doing is hermeneutically, and that's just a big word for you know people have agreed when you're looking at things, right? Um, you can't read back the theology of a later time, right? Um, even though we get to know this, this, and this, and then two thousand years of church questions in history, we don't get to say. Moses said, let us go down. He was thinking the Trinity. No, no, he was not. <laughs> he was not thinking the Trinity. He he had a worldview of when God said, let's go down. He's talking to the Elohim. He's talking to the heavenly hosts that we were created in their image. Right. They worship him in the heavens the same way we worshiped him in the yeah. creation. Yeah. So right here, they only know they're not in convergent space. They only know the physical. We are God's chosen people physically okay. here. This is okay. his temple, and there's no way our God is going to physically allow this temple to fall. A lot of other things might happen. I might die, but the one thing that's not going to happen is his temple fall, because this is God's temple. Right, okay. And then it fell. <laughs> Insert record scratch. And somebody doesn't know what just my whole—it would be like the disciples watching Jesus die. Yeah. Everything I believed— in the physical realm, just came physically to an end. Yes. All right. Now, with that said, there's no way that we can become born-again believers without the phoenix, without the rebirth, without the burning down what you thought was true before. Yes. You have to die. Yeah. yeah. That's what happens to them right now. Their whole identity is, this is God's temple. Nobody can do Well, wait, dang it. <laughs> And then they're exiled. <laughs> yeah. So now they're wandering. They're totally with no answers. Yeah. And then you start reading Ezekiel and Isaiah. See, Jeremiah was before. Jeremiah is the crying prophet. God said, no, it's too late. They've done enough. Just like today, America, we, we're too far. Judgment is upon us. It, it, it Get ready. It's getting worse. With the fentanyl, our addiction has gone to having party, well, not parties, this is how we get high. Instead of a designated driver to go to the club, they have one person that's supposed to stay sober with the Narcan, and everybody else takes enough drugs to die. Mm. And then they shoot Narcan as their lips and eyelids turn blue. Mm. And then they brag about how much it took today to bring them back to life compared to yesterday. It's, it's getting worse. Checks have been written that have to be paid. God has allowed his remnant to know they're being called. But we are not a Christian nation. Mm-mm. I mean, I, yeah, I 100% agree with the that. The Bible Belt is falling apart. Yeah. We've played so many games with the truth of God. Mm-hmm. He's now given us the Dead Sea Scrolls and to understand this theology that we're talking about better. Right. In this time of being a remnant. So, you know, a lot of these things with the B'nai Elohim and the, 30, the Deuteronomy 32 worldview, people say, well, why hasn't it been taught before? Because we didn't have the Dead Sea Scrolls, which predated the Mesoretic text is what we had before. Right. 
and it clarified some things that we did not know pre-1950. Right. Now, God only gives that kind of information to prepare you for what you're about to go through. Right. So as we look at this, it's not just like, oh, this is a neat area, or oh, this is, who cares? This is what God has given us to steward us and become our foundation, mm -hmm. because their foundation just fell. Right. With the things that they're forecasting that could happen in our nation, we're going to experience things that we've never experienced before. And when we struggle, there's a lot of people who've never done it before. Right. When there is no food. Oh, yeah. You're going to see some different sides of folks. We've always had, I mean, sometimes I just get enamored when I walk into, uh, you know, Kroger or Ingalls or Walmart, and you're just aisles and aisles of color and stuff and things. And when those are empty. Oh, yeah. And you don't have the distractions because your stomach's hurting. Yeah. You're going to start asking different questions mm -hmm. right here in, in history. They're starting to ask different questions in Ezekiel and Isaiah. And they rise up and they say, no, 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 there is going to be one that comes. There is, we still are God's people. His plan has not been thwarted. He's leading us exactly where we want. We were, we were always headed. Right. And I don't know how and why, because there's still a faith element, but I'm telling you the promise is still alive. And, and, and when yeah. you start to read it, understand what they're going through, the, the books kind of change. All right. So when you start to see that, who took, Let's 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 test me. Oh, no. Who took the uh, the Samaritans into captivity? Babylon, right? No, I don't know. Right. Don't ask me. See, the Assyrians. Okay, took the top ten Israel. Okay, all right, into captivity. Okay, all right, and they assimilated them into the, and then Jerusalem fell too. Okay. Oh wait, Babylon. Yes. Okay. okay. Babylon, and that's king. Oh, my gosh. I hate when you do this to me. I shouldn't say hate. All Nebuchadnezzar. Right. There you go. 586, Nebuchadnezzar and uh, Babylon comes in. I, and guar they, I guarantee there was one person saying the answer. They, oh, I, I, was, was I, was, I was over here saying we the whole time. We know that you were. You right. teach it. Anyway, though, so <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar comes in and takes in Judah and Benjamin and basically the temple gold and all the things that are the Lord's into Babylon. Right. Now, Babylon, ever since the beginning, has been the polemic, that's been the major polemic back to the Apocalypse and the B'nai Elohim, and don't worry about any of those words right now. Right now, all we need to know is both of them are inside of captivity. We rock on until Babylon falls to who? Uh, to the Medo-Persians. All right. And the Medo-Persians king was? Z Xerxes. Okay. And then, and well, Xerxes was one of them for sure. I know. I can't. I can't remember the other guy. The other guy is the the one because the Medio Persians were like two groups, right? The Medios and the the Media Medianites. The Medes. Medes. Okay. The Medes and the Persians, and they basically kind of formed power, made an alliance, basically, right? Right. So when we get to Daniel, Daniel talks about the lion, and right. that that was you know Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon yeah, was the golden those, lion, right? All right, and then there's the bear. The bear has the offset shoulder where one's higher than the other. And ribs in his mouth. But the the Medes are the lower shoulder because the Persians were always bigger and stronger. Right. Is what that beast, you know, when you start looking at the imagery. Right. And then the next one was a leopard with wings. And that's uh, the Greeks, Alexander. Alexander the, the Great, Greek. and how fast he went across the country. Yeah. And then you have a monster that is without definite, pure definition because it was just... 
full of teeth and crushed everything that it got in its way. Right. And then his feet were, of course, mixed with clay mm -hmm. because that's the Roman Empire. And right. the Roman Empire becomes, quote unquote, a godly nation right. through the work of Christ. That Correct. is the, hand, the, the stone cut out without the, human hands. That's thrown at the feet. And destroys the kingdom of man right. as Israel knew the temple. So before, you know, the kingdom of man was like, look at the kingdom of man. Rome is so great. Yeah. What does is, what is Jesus teach his disciples about, you know, Jerusalem when they're walking through it? Oh. In three days, yeah, I'll I'm tear, tear the, all this I'll down. tear the temple down, and then I'll raise it back up. And they're like, how are you going to bring down the temple and then raise it back up? Bro, that makes no sense. It took us 40, 50 years to build this. Okay, <laughs> but what are they saying? They're just saying the surface-level material world, bio, well, Yeah, and he's trying to converge in space, saying what you think this represents will be torn down in three days. Well, this is in, in, inside of this is where we get the both and, where it's the physical and the spiritual. This is where we get the, when we say both and, like that's kind of what we're, what we're getting at. We're using this because a lot of the times people are using what they see physically to be the thing that when they read in scripture, they're looking merely at the physical thing and not at the spiritual side of it. But Jesus was constantly teaching, no, 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 it's both and. It's not either, this is not, it's not either or. Like, you have to. You so have to, if Jesus taught it. Right. It's true. Yeah. So it is convergent space. Well, yeah, yeah. But I was just, I was just right. more, more or less just letting the listener know that that's where we get that from. Mm -hmm. That we have that God has given us that information to take it back to scripture. So when you start do, looking at it inside of the both and, it, it makes way more sense because you're. You're, you're thinking it's not a pure, it's not mere, like just solely physical. It's also physical and spiritual. So you have to kind of look at it through both through that set of lenses instead of the way that they were, because obviously they were mistaken. And going back to life, if we're thinking about life, <clears throat> God is spirit. Yes. God is love. Yes. God is Yahweh. Yes. All right. So Yahweh is spirit, love, mm -hmm. and, and life. Mm -hmm. Zoe. Mm-hmm. And then you've got your biological life, correct? That I've been born into. Yeah, me too. I I, I understand this one. Mm -hmm. Um, this is, you know, how does you know how does Adam dying two thousand years ago, or how does Jesus dying two thousand years ago, and Adam dying an uncountable amount of time yeah, have anything to do with me? me? Yeah. All right. Well, what it has to do with you is the spirit of the kingdom of darkness came through the usurping of Adam. Yeah, it sure did. And. The spirit of God is about the one true God that can never change because of who he is. 100%. But I've got to get that in somebody's psyche life. Yeah. And their psyche life has to combine the spiritual truth of who God is. Yep. And, and the fact that you were born, born in his image to have that inner dwelling. Correct. And if it's not him as a God, you do have gods. Yes. Into this biological life. Right. Because in this biological life, if I don't realize I'm spiritually being manipulated, then I think I'm making all my choices while something whispers to me, yeah, you're right. You're good. <laughs> but the truth of God says, no, you are condemned to hell if you don't have the crying out for what I've made available in my son. Yes. And they're condemned already. Mm -hmm. Now, when we see this, God is breaking his own people's hearts of who they were physically yes. to know that they spiritually needed to call out. Mm -hmm. How does he do it? He takes away all their physical pride and puts them among foreign gods and says, now learn who I am in the midst of the gods. Mm. All right. So he puts them in the game, basically. Yes. As they're there, the Persians are, well, let's see, Babylon is you know, defeated by the Persians. Persia 
ends up letting the Jews go back to worship. Right, and yep, this was the other king that led, not Xerxes. This was the other guy, right? Right. So Darius was the first. Okay. Darius. And then when they let him go back, some people made up some lies, said they had rebelled before. That's why right. they took him back. And then Cyrus is the one that is almost like a Christ figure. Um, the Jews really just loved that he mediated from Yahweh because Yahweh came to Cyrus and said, "My let my people go worship." Right. And Cyrus listens the same way Pharaoh didn't. Ah, gotcha. And, you know, Pharaoh let my people go worship, and he didn't, and it came to the ten plagues, which were against their gods. Right. But instead, here, Cyrus's heart actually accepts the word of God mm-hmm. and becomes a mediator from Yahweh to his people, i.e., the you know how they build that out as a mediator Christ right. symbolism, yeah. and, and lets them go back to build and, and, and start. And then so we get it to Nehemiah and Ezra. Okay. All right. Nehemiah and Ezra is where your Bible was edited. Oh. Uh-huh. And so everybody can get all nervous if you want, but these were stories that were protected by the people that loved the God that they represented. But this is the first time you had the writing ability and uh, tools to be able to write down all of what needed to be written down through, you know, oral tradition. And they had a lot of coliform, you know, uh, the, uh, that like clay tablets and stuff like that. All right. Mm-hmm. So when it said, and Moses wrote this down, he did, mm-hmm. but he wasn't writing on a scroll. No. And it definitely wasn't a pen and paper. No. All right. So here we have the we start to have the harder form of 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 the history and in, in, in the like as we think of scripture. When that takes place, it's really five thirty nine is when they allow them to go back. Zechariah, um it's all five sixteen. Five sixteen is when the second temple is built. I do know that. Okay. All right. So when it's constructed, five sixteen. There's people that are like old hats that remember the first temple, and they're like, this sucks. First one, bleep it. Yeah, I mean, it was bigger, and it was, you know, Solomon, and it was, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and yeah. you couldn't please them. Yeah. And then you had the younger cats that are like, yeah, we're going to do this. So it's kind of like, man, I remember when we used to do the hymns, and we love God. Yeah, now they sing all like contemporary. Now it's all this contemporary stuff that sounds like the world, and and then yeah, but yeah, we're like in the world loving God, and you old, and so you you have the the tearing at the at the body when they do this, right? Um, but it was consecrated. It was finished in five sixteen. Moving forward, you end up with the Greek come in. Mm -hmm. When the Greek come in, they're in the second temple, right? Right. All right. But the Greek, for them to come in, had to be defeating who? The Medo-Persians, yeah. The Persians. All right, so as the Greek are defeating the Persians, you've got Rome on the other side. Yeah. So when the Greek are defeating the Persians, well, when the Greek do defeat the Persians, and they, like we said, they moved fast. So they, they, they took over, they took up too much land too fast, really. Yeah. And Rome took advantage of that and started coming in on the backside. Now, when you have the second temple Jew yeah. that is being oppressed by the Greek after being somewhat freed by the Persians, mm-hmm. you have the Greek come in and they come in with their <laughs> philosophy. Oh, yeah. And they come in with their pantheon and their mm-hmm. understanding. Right. Um, and they ultimately come in with entertainment and theater. Oh. The games. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the, the gladiators and, the you know, all. All of that stuff stems from the gymnasium and the Olympics. And so yeah. that starts to come into the culture, and we end up with the story of Maccabean. Now, the thing about this is, this is all during the 400 years of silence. Mm-hmm. So 
basically you don't have any second temple history without the apocrypha right. and the pseudographical books. Right. Which in Ethiopia, they have 84 books in the canon and mm -hmm. they didn't remove them from the canon. And then you got all the way to all the different ways that that was applied. Um, I am not getting into the conversation of what should and shouldn't be in there, but I'll tell you, everything should be read. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's important to at least look at the information. I mean, it, not saying like I don't want to get into the the canonical thing with you. I mean, I I feel like it's it, you're missing the point if that's going to be your argument and where you want it. And you know, if you want to stand and die on that hill, that's perfectly fine, dude. Because I'm going that way. Like you know, I'm not. I'm, I don't know. I, but I do at the same time too think it is very valuable information because you get you get a better understanding of what was going on in the time and that's the only way that you get the actual context of what's being of what's being talked about and it it helps marry everything together because it's like you said forever it's one story so we're going to run the timeline and then we're going to go back to this 400 years of silence and then we're going to get to Jesus's worldview which is what we've been driving towards yes we we've got basically the Greeks come in the Seleucids this is uh, Antichus Epiphanes, and that's the name I couldn't remember last week. And as I'm driving home, I'm like, Antioch. I mean, Antioch's named after him. If I could have just thought of that. But, <laughs> you know, anyway, though, he comes in, but he never really takes the Jews seriously because it's just a backwater Jews, you know, whatever. I'll send a, a small amount backwater of, Jews. I mean, it's, well, it's, it, it's a lower part of the desert, and there's not never, a whole lot going on. I've already got everything I need. I've just never heard that before. Well, I mean, it's a colloquialism. It's not like in the Bible. It doesn't ever say, you know, they're the backwater Jews. It's not in there. <laughs> um, ultimately, though, you have them come down, the Maccabeans show up, and that's what we're going to go back and pick up here in a minute. And yeah. they free the nation of the Jews from the Greek, and they are like their own again. Yeah, they're like super stoked. All right, so that happens in 167 to 140. So okay. basically from 150 B.C., to 100 CE, you've got, well, wait a second now. Let me get this right. 167 to 140 is how long they're freed. Okay. And then right after 100 is when, let's see. Let me hear, yeah, I'll look at it right quick. 140 to 63 BCE is when they're free. Okay. And this is when the Hasmonean dynasty is there. So if you ever run across that name, the Hasmonean dynasty mm -hmm. is literally like the lineage of the Maccabees. Okay. And and because they're the ones that overthrew, they kind of take over the royalty or the leadership right. of the nation. This is where the Hanukkah, you know, the worshiping of Hanukkah comes from. Right. And inside of this Hasmonean kingdom, you end up with your Pharisees and your Sadducees gotcha. and you end up with, if you don't know those, you're, you're missing some of what Jesus is taking for granted that everybody knew. Cause if you lived, then you did know it's like Republican and Democrat today. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And so in 63, Pompey comes in. Mm-hmm. Rome. Yes. All right. They they basically befriended Rome mm -hmm. as they were at war with the with the Greeks, the Seleucids. Right. Because Rome was on the opposite side mm -hmm. and they were like, "Hey, we can hit them from both sides and we're, but then when <laughs> Greek isn't there anymore, now it's Rome and the Jews, the nation of Israel. Right. Everything is okay until the Hasmonean Dynasty starts fighting so much within that one side calls the Romans like, hey, can you come help us out? Well, then the Romans occupied them because they, of course, strengthened the side that wins, but they didn't win. They really lost because they called out a foreign nation into what two brothers were fighting against. 
Right. So they basically called like one of their homies in, but they're the the other people were bigger, so it's sort of like, yeah, we'll take your side and then pretty much run what y'all got going on. But what they missed was when you're fighting with brothers, you're still underneath the same house and father. Ah, so that's get, a good one. getting back to God, they were fine while they were fighting with each other, but as soon as they went and invited someone else and their gods into it to strengthen them against the one true God, yeah. because of wanting what they wanted, mm. they, they were not focused on who was really important. Right. 63 B.C., 40 B.C. is when Herod, like the biblical Herod that kills all the two-year-olds and below oh, looking yeah. for Jesus, yeah, yeah. that's 40 B.C. Okay. All right, so we're up to Herod and where we pick up in, in the scriptures. All right, right, now. right, right. Of course, Herod would have been four, you know, over 40 years old at this point, but, you know. Yeah. All right. With that said, the reason this has been important is for Jesus' worldview, we have to know the three, 400 years before and three hundred. Three four hundred years afterwards to really understand the worldview that it came out of and that it created. Mm-hmm. More importantly, that it came out of for me because when we say we need to return or we need to reform, you have to reform to what was before, not what happened after. And yeah. so when we we look at what happened before, they had been oppressed. The Greeks come in and. They come in and they say, "Look, we're just trying to we're just trying to bring in a better life for you." Right. I mean, we're going to build. We've we've already built. We got gymnasiums. We got theaters. Um, I mean, you're going to be entertained. Uh, drinking. We're we're bringing in we're bringing in plumbing. That's not. I don't know if that's true. Either way, I mean, we're bringing in things that you don't have. That if yeah. you just fall in love with the things that you're going to get out of this relationship, right? I mean, you're going to be gravy. So the way they did this is they would go to the communities because it's a communal, you know, communal people, communal worldview. And what they would do is they would go to the different places that these communities lived and they would say, I need the elder of the community, which would be, of course, elder being the oldest member of the community. And if I can strike a deal with him, then everybody falls underneath that eldership, basically. Yeah. Well, apparently Judas Maccabeus has never heard of this because the Greek, you know, ambassador or um, Representative. representative, Comes in and he makes his pitch. Hey, this is going to, we're going to make right. things great. Well, when the, the elder's like, yeah, we'll do it. Maccabeus comes from behind and runs a spear through him and the ambassador that came with the message. <laughs> and he's like, no, not, we won't. Not today. <laughs> so kind of like, you know, the start of 300 where he gets kicked in the hole. It's like, well, I mean, he thought he was something, but now he's not. It's like an epic scene too. So in, in that, in that way, that family starts to rebel. Right. And. The Greeks don't take them serious, yeah. so the Jews start to win these skirmishes, okay. and then the Jews that were on the sidelines start to say, our God is standing up through our people, and then they start to fight for their God because right. they see God making a movement, and it returns to God being against God instead of what they see inside of just this world. That's so interesting. So then the Jews start to solidify underneath the fact that God is making a movement, and they actually free themselves from the control of the world and then celebrate mm-hmm. because... Antichus, Antipas, Epiphanes. If I'm Antichus, wrong, you Antichus, can make Antichus, Antichus, Epiphanes. Okay, he sets up the abomination of desolation in the temple because he put well in Pompey does the same thing, but they put it in the temple, right? And they removed it mm. because of the movement of God, right? That's what Hanukkah was celebrating. Right, the temple had been cleansed. Yep, they were now God's people, reestablished in right relationship. Right. When you read the Apocrypha, mm-hmm. it's 
like the wisdom of Sura. The wisdom of Sura is we have these youth that are thinking that entertainment is more important, mm. but here's the value of Torah, and here's why we do what we do, and right. who you really are is this. And they start to right. teach them the history from that time period back. Right. You think we ought to know that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, in other words, this is the answer that Jesus says, do you not know? Have you not read? Yeah. He's talking about, I don't know, the things that have been read or written that, that he's talking yeah, about, the, like, the, the within prior, the last couple hundred years. Yeah, you know? the prior writings, yeah. Right. You know, if I was going to ask you, hey, Mick, how old are you? 40. Have you read pre-1200 years ago? No. Have you read the last 50 years? And Probably better chance because yeah. they, they affect you. Right. Overall. The Apocrypha is telling you how to return to living for the one true God, Yahweh, mm. in the midst of worldly foreign oppression under philosophy and entertainment. Yeah, it sounds pretty uh, relevant. Very, very relevant. Mm -hmm. if, if you want to. In other words, the desire of your heart is what it comes down to, because if you yeah. want to know who God is, you can. He's made it very available. They stay free for a period of time. They have their inner battles. And if you go and you read about the Pharisees and Sadducees and how that all take down, it's kind of really soap opera. It's like, isn't it like, wasn't it like you told me it's sort of like Game of Thrones for real? Well, that's Josephus. When Josephus' oh, okay. history is, it, it reads like that. Okay, um, sorry. These two actually, it's over like a sister that becomes married to the opposite side and just done wrong. It, there's, there's, like, there's like a drama thing that makes those, those things split. And, the dying husband makes the wife promise something, and that does something else. And, and which, which is so interesting to me. Like, if you look at the dynamic of it, if people would just instead of like looking for the murder mystery on Netflix, instead pick up a book and read it. Like, there's so much stuff that can actually be relevant to your life and your relationship with God, and you would you would find those same things that you're that you're getting that are made up and don't have anything to do with anything. <laughs> but the, I, that's but, my two cents. Sorry, but the spirit of the age yeah will never allow that that's interesting See, in other words 50 to 80 years ago mm -hmm. everything was held to a christian standard but yeah you didn't you definitely didn't bash christianity you definitely didn't have something on tv that was like sexual or moral um oh now now christianity is the only one that you can openly mock because it's an anti-christian spirit it's it's the spirit it's the Antichrist spirit. It, it we we are we are a secular yeah. culture. There's there. It makes me think about the the South Park thing where they had Muhammad on there or whatever, and like people over over there were absolutely going crazy to the point that they wanted to fight America because of the entertainment. And does anybody know why they were? There's been there's been people that have cartoonists, newspaper cartoonists, whatever that were you know hit hits were put out for their head wow um because they drew a face on muhammad and what people don't know because they don't go and read is muhammad said i should never be remembered it doesn't matter what i look like i'm nobody other than the message that i have and that's god is one right so they're not necessarily mad about the mocking as much as they are about you putting a face that oh. their prophet said do not do that and you are you're, not only are you disrespecting me mockingly right. you're now doing what my god said don't do right so i mean that's uh yeah it, it, i don't mean it i didn't mean to throw you off so i'm sorry for interrupting you keep going where we are at this point is the kingdom of man and the greatest beast through the through the prophecies has come to fruition octavian is julius caesar's nephew i think not really his son 
But of course, in their culture, they deified Julius Caesar. He was a god. Right. When he died, he claimed Octavius as the son of God. Mm -hmm. And on their currency, it says son of God when Jesus shows up and says, I'm the son of man. Right. Yeah. Now, we call him son of God, and in, in some of the, the, the scripture, they call him son of God, but Jesus never called himself refer, son of God. Yeah, he refers to himself as the son of man. So he refers to himself as the son of man bringing God, and the son of man is trying to be God, and mm -hmm. there's this at the perfect timing, the timing is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Right. Um, return and believe in what I'm doing for my father's name to right. allow you to return, to enter back in. Right. Um. In our modern worldview, Baptists and Methodists and no, nobody even knows why they are that anymore because they don't know their differences no. because nobody knows anymore. No. Well, so some people, some people might. Most do not. Yeah, they're, they're definitely not enough to where they've taught anybody else if they do. Well, yeah, I just didn't want to hate on the people that actually know. If anything, you ought to, it, ought to, it ought to stir you up to actually go ask the people that are inside your church, do you know why we are what we are? I mean, now, don't get me wrong. A Methodist knows that they're Arminian. Right. Um, and, a, and a Baptist... <laughs> I'm still learning about this, because coming from the non-denominational church, like I didn't know a lot of things that Baptists just do. Well, I mean... And and I know more jokes that are truth and jest than I do truth. So I, 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 they have their claim to fame. They understand that. Right. I mean, Presbyterians are going to be pretty doctrinally aware, right. and 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 they're gonna they're gonna lean. Church of Christ is going to be pure doctrine and no instruments. Okay. Wow. Well, that's just because we don't play instruments here. Yeah. yeah. So if we don't play instruments, we're going to sing a couple hymns. Yep. And then we're going to look at the Bible because we're not going to do anything else. That's right. what we're going to do. That's and what so we do. They're doctrinally driven, and 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 each has their 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 thing they do. But that's what they know more than anything. They just, they just know the tradition of what they do. They don't really know the argument of why they are that denomination. I guess is what I'm saying. That's what, interesting. what what is it that makes you a Baptist compared to right. a Methodist? Right. Well, a Method is of course they're more Armenian and they're working their method that came from Wesley. All right, cool. I got that. Ah. Um, if if you get if you get to the Baptist, I, I mean, the the Baptists are evangelical. Yeah, and this ought to be good. Well, and uh, I'm going to get in trouble when I do. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just sitting here, just waiting for it to happen. So, like in in jest. Mm -hmm. How do you tell the difference in a Methodist and a Baptist in a liquor store? A Methodist will say hello. All right, but the Baptist is in there. They're just not allowed to say hello. Why? Because they're evangelical and they can't ruin their witness. But they, I mean, so it's like, so you can't really be honest because you're evangelical. It's like, no, no, no I'm honest. And, and so. It's so good. And well, and Presbyterians yeah. are Baptists that read their Bible. That's how, they, that, that's how they'll say it. Well, we're Baptists that read. So <laughs> the Baptists are almost like we're evangelical. Our greatest heart is to share and spread the gospel. That's right. the evangelicalism. Amen. However, the way that evangelicalism has been done right. destroys. I don't want to be an evangel uh, evangelical right. 
by the definition of the way we've done it with a gospel track. And if you say these few words oh, that you're fair. in, which is fair, um, which is fair, but that doesn't mean that I'm not evangelical because right. I, I believe that all of it's written by missionaries. And if I'm not on the mission of sharing the truth and the word of God, then I'm not a Christian. Yeah. But that to me is not evangelical. That's on mission. Right. And, and, and I understand that you could, you could use the words and bleed them all together. What I am saying is, mm-hmm. I could take things that are inside of the library there at church. It's 200 years old. Yeah. And I could show you things that shouldn't be in there. Oh, yeah. I remember, I won't say anybody's name or the author or anything. I remember walking through it with you, and you were like, hey, you want to read something that's not true? <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> and at a certain period of time, they didn't have what we've learned and where we're at now. All right. And, and, and they didn't have the tools. So it's not in a judgmental way. It's just... Looking at, and I'm sure that any denomination in any church, if they've got a long enough history of a library, you can do the same thing in every church's library. That's not the point. The point is, the spirit of Baal was to have the people of God fall into apostasy. Right. To fall away from God. They already were consecrated. They were already gods. Right. The spirit of Baal was the spirit of, did God really say? Right. Sure. Well, I think, but but you're going to run into this though because I ran into this. I think everybody runs into this. And if you're searching for the truth, I mean, you're going to run into other 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 things. And obviously, the more evidence that you gather and stuff like that, you can start connecting dots and being like, maybe his intentions are good, but this isn't right. Like, I, I'm, it's nothing against the person. He's even looking in church history. I didn't you know looking at now starting that that journey into it. Dude, I listened to a documentary the other day. It was like an hour and a half long, and I promise that an hour and 15 minutes of it was this theology versus that theology. I mean, it was pretty much, that's all That's all it was. It was a bunch of people dying for what they believed in versus what these people said that was the right thing to, you know, was the right way to believe. So, I mean, you can't, you're not going to get away from it. You're going to run into stuff like that. And I'm not, not hating on anybody. I'm just saying it's part of what reality. So I'm sure I've got all kinds of people mad at me right now. And, you know, at least I'm an equal opportunity. Hopefully everybody's just mad, exactly. you know, across the board. But yeah. here's, like you just said, the, the skeptic or the lost or, you know, they're, they're going to say, well, in the name of God and religion, there every war started and all these people and, and, they're, to some degree, they're right. But we have to define the difference between religion and Christianity. Yes. Do you, do you know what it is? Mm, no. All right. So religion is man trying to work their way to God. Okay. Christianity is the only one that God reaches down and saves man. Okay. So by God's like choice it. and God's power, God pulls you out of the muck and the mire. Yeah. Versus you working your way out of the muck and mire being better than other people. Uh, that's probably not going to happen. All right. So all religions have started, all, all wars have started because of religion. Yes, because they have a God of their own understanding and gods that are leading them into the hatred of others because they're judging and they think that they deserve yep. with their demanding spirit to where they'll take, just like James is trying to warn the people of God, the reason that you fight and quarrel is because of that element. Right. But isn't it fair to say, though, for the people of the skeptic that may be listening or anything like that, even if you say I have no God, well then guess what? You're assuming that role. I mean, I mean, you you have a belief. With look at America, okay? America being pretty much with an antichrist spirit right now. What do we do to ninety percent of the countries that we go into and we attack? We try to implement our design into their country. 
Yes. So you, we're, so we're doing the same thing whether you claim whether you claim a god or not. You're doing the same exact thing. The only difference is is that you assume that role because we know better and I'm not that gullible and these people just need this and then their problems would be solved. That's I mean that's where that comes from. I just want to throw that out there cuz I mean I want to make sure that it's not just crazy religious people. I mean everybody does this to some degree. You have god of your understanding. Exactly. Yeah. When <laughs> yeah, sorry. When we fast forward from Christ and we see in the 1500s the Protestant Reformation, mm-hmm. all right, you've got a group of men, Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, that say we need to reform, return to what we've lost because of the fact that, I don't know, the church had all the hookers and all the land and basically didn't let anybody read the scripture and told them whatever they wanted. Right. All right. And what I mean, don't laugh. That's exactly what it is. I mean, if you go and actually read, you know, that's, that's what Luther sees when he goes and, and visits. He's like, oh, my goodness. With that said, he didn't want to tear the Catholic Church apart. He wanted them to return to who they are and what they had lost, mm-hmm. which is what Christ had accomplished. Right. But literally the complaint about <clears throat> the Protestant Reformation complaint about the Catholic Church is it was workspace mm-hmm. and now it's by faith, through, through grace, by faith, in the Word of God. Sola mm-hmm. Scripture is all, all, right, all right. right. So then it becomes all about what you think right. that you don't have to do. Right. When it was all you do, but we don't want you to think. Right. You know, we don't want you to have the Scripture, because if we give you the Scripture, who knows what everybody's going to do with it, because we don't want them the thinking about it. They yeah. just want to, you know, come and we'll absolve, and we'll tell you how many, how Marys, and, yeah. and then you'll go work it off, but it'll give you something to do. And so really we went from works, no, works are bad. I think it's what we believe. Yeah. So then you go to believing, but you don't have to do it. Right. I mean, I got my Willy Wonka ticket. You know, it's this little track that says, you know, if I get to the back and I say these three things, then I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I keep mine. It's under my floorboard in my truck, just in case. I mean, I don't, I don't think I'll have to need it because I'm actually, you know, regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Christ for the Father's glory. But, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> to reform for real in the sound of my voice is to get back to what Jesus said. And Jesus said, do you not know, have you not read mm-hmm. before the new Testament? Mm-hmm. He didn't attribute any authority to the new Testament. No, nope. he never said, and this is what I think about the new Testament. Yep. Everything that Jesus Christ was referring to as the truth of Yahweh mm-hmm. is in the old Testament. And now we're being told you can unhitch from the Old Testament. You could just say, we could just unhitch from Jesus. Oh, no, 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 you can't do that because Jesus is this prosperity genie that goes forward. Mm-hmm. But when we look at these things, if you want to know that you know, yeah, it's in the Old Testament. Right. And if you want to know where it's going to be in the Old Testament, it's going to be in the Torah. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the Torah, it's going to be whether or not you're willing to lay down what you're trying to argue that you get to hold on to, because that's what God is telling you is the problem. Right. Because the Torah is the instruction, the wisdom Mm -hmm. of how to not put another God first. Right. How to live inside of his design and system. Mm -hmm. How to know what obedience is. And anything that's teaching you, you don't need obedience. You can't have faith. Right. So you can't have faith without works because mm-hmm. your works are the obedience birthed out of your faith. Right. But you can't have works without faith because then you're just going to return to your vomit. You're just going to return to doing what the world does if it's not based inside of 
your your faith, your belief, right. your heart condition. Mm -hmm. The truth of what Christ accomplished in the apostolic authority of the New Testament is absolutely beautiful. It's absolutely what God allowed to take place in history. It's absolutely important for us to learn all of the debates and the information moving forward through church history. I, I love it all. But what sets you free is knowing Jesus himself in the authors of the New Testament. If you're, oh, I'm a New Testament Christian. We're writing about the divine counsel of Yahweh and how Jesus was making a way for the third heavens and the first heavens to be one while the second heavens is, is finished. That, that's where we are with the already, not yet. Already, if you were to die today, absence from the body is? Present with the Lord. All right. Before <clears throat> Christ, when you were to die, you went in the grave and you waited. Yes. So Old Testament theology, there there is none of that. And then Jesus then says, because of the finished work, you now have access to the third heavens because the Father and the Son have sat down in the finished work that opened up that door. Mm -hmm. But you've got to understand what it is you've been invited into. Yes. If you go and you read Ephesians with an Old Testament understanding, mm -hmm. it means you are part of the divine council, because you're in the God. There's so much there that it, it takes time, it takes study. But you've not only been covered with the blood and baptized red for the forgiveness of sins, that's true, transgressions. Mm -hmm. But until you enter the door, he says, I'm the door, the gatekeeper opens, but somebody's got to enter the door. When you enter the door into the third heavens through the finished work of the, of the Son, you are then baptized by the Holy Spirit in the finished work of the Father and the Son, and now you are stained white in the Holy Spirit to where you are now identified in and with the Holy Spirit, the new name, new creature, through being like Christ. That that's your that's that's your eternal hope, resurrected body. All of that is is hinged inside of that understanding. But you didn't do it for you because you don't exist. You were never created to be I me, right? You were created to be us we. So once you die to self, and then you enter into this community where you've received a new name, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit, it says that you're going to come in and out of the door and find pasture in both places, right? Once you've received your white coat and are a child of God, you're a child of God now. Right. But this is, I mean, <clears throat> I just want to read Ephesians 1, 3, because it's, it's everything that you're saying right there. So if you read it through with what you just said and presented, let's look at it. Let's read the scripture through, through that lens. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. <clears throat> even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of, of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in, blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all, in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, 
which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. I mean, it's right, what you just said is right there. So the battle that's now waged is the Bnei Elohim, those that are locked away, are locked away in the second heavens because they're spiritual beings. Right. That can still influence the first heavens, i.e. the physical world. Right. But they can no longer be in right relationship with the Father, i.e. the third heavens, the throne room of God. Yep. Because the only right relationship now is Jesus Christ came and reversed mm -hmm. what they had done at Herman when they came down. Well, the John seventeen three. Yes. With that said, that means that you are... When you're spiritually reborn, you should realize you've always been either eternally secured or eternally damned because he, he's the author and perfecter when he sent. It says predestined as adoptions to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. according to his will. Mm -hmm. It didn't just happen because there's other places that say they stumbled because they were destined to. Right. And people hate that because, like, oh, what about my free will? Okay, so here's the thing. Predestination and foreknowledge are different. Foreknowledge yes. means God knows everything that could possibly happen, regardless of whether it happens or not. Right. Predestination means there are certain things God has said, that's going to happen. Mm -hmm. He knew me before the foundation of the world. Mm -hmm. It's kind of hard to get you know, people play games. It's like, well, if he knew you before the foundation of the world, then he knew by his sovereign choice who that was going to be. Now, in between, did you create a lot of hurt in your life? Did you cost a lot of gospel value in your life? Yes. In his foreknowledge, he knew he was going to give you the freedom to make choices. Mm -hmm. So you did have free will. Yeah. But there's certain things that, I don't know, because he's God, he has sovereign choice. Yeah. Hey, get mad about it? Disagree with it? It is what it is. It doesn't change the reality. Absolutely. It. It's a truth claim. Right. And, and and so it's great that you caught it, and, and that's great, but you got to get over it because you're going to have to figure, okay, Deuteronomy 2929, the secret things belong to God because he's God. Yep. What you are responsible for is where you are and what you've done so that you can pursue that. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to pursue it, that's a heart condition. Right. It just kind of proves the point that he made already. <laughs> Deuteronomy 8.2 says that he may humble you and to test you so you can know what's in your own heart. Right. He didn't say, so he, I can test you and you can show me what's in your heart. No, I'm God. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. Uh, you don't know. Omniscience means, I don't know. I know everything. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, but I think, but isn't that, isn't that the point, though? To let God be God and worship him? Yes. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying, though. I mean, if you're not looking at it through that lens, then, I mean, once again. You're wanting to be the God. You're just proving the point that we, <laughs> that we already made, <laughs> that he already made. I mean, and now it's just, but I think also at the same time, too. It gives you a chance to be honest with yourself. I, mean, I can't tell you how many times there are things where I think, you know, the situations are put in front of me and it'll come out of my mouth because that's where I'm at right now. And mm -hmm. I go, I don't want to do that. And then I go, yeah, but I better, but I better do it. I better, you know, and then, so that's a chance to turn back to God because it, I mean, once again, any gospel that doesn't tell you to love God and love others at the cost of yourself is false. Okay, well, that's that's the God that I believe in and the one that I serve and the one that I that I worship. Guess who needs to put that that thought and those put who guess who needs to put that to death? Uh me. 
in putting it to death, that's, that's in, in, if, when I first got saved, it was one of the hardest things for somebody to say, well, you got to put yourself to death. That was, that was <laughs> so that. confusing to me. And it, and it, just the way that I think things through, that was a very difficult one. Now I could do that and everybody be even more confused than they probably are already. Yeah, please don't. Here's the thing. Hey, wait a minute. Um, <laughs> Sorry, no, kidding. I'm teasing. Uh, I, was just kidding. I don't know if I've said this today. I know I've said it a lot ever since I read it. Right. But the Bible is written by missionaries. Mm-hmm. Every pen was one that was on mission when they came into understanding of the gospel and faith. It was, you are not a consumer. You're on mission and you're going to die doing it. Right. So that's still the same, right? Yes. yes. I mean, same God, same gospel. Mm-hmm. If you're not reading it as a missionary, you're already reading it wrong. Mm-hmm. When you do start to read it with a missional heart and mindset, how am I going to go live out what I'm seeing? Mm-hmm. When you read what Jesus does, and he says, hey, if you can't believe my words, at least believe my works. Right. Over in John. Yep. All right. So if you just look at what Jesus does, what is he doing and who is he doing it to? Mick. What is he doing and who is he doing it to? Mm-hmm. So in other words, uh, he di- we did not practice this. No, so we didn't. All right. So, well, you asked me the other day about the Jesus question. So here, <laughs> I'm getting you back. Once again, okay. when you think of the Gospels, okay, and you think of what Jesus did and who he was doing it to, what is your answer? I guess Sum I- up all the things he did. What was he? What? 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 What did he? What was he doing? Uh, he was bringing the reality of the kingdom of God being at hand. He was, he was, he was looking and listening to what his father would have him do. So he was challenging the presuppositions of people and what they believe to be true. Okay, so start with those three. Okay, and I'm gonna have to give him part of the answer. That's the only reason he's liking it. First, when you said was he was bringing the kingdom of God, correct? Well, bringing it from where? Heaven. Third heavens, making the third heavens known. Correct. He was here by his father's glory. Correct. The next one was, what did you say? He was doing what, well, he's looking and listening to his father, so he was doing the will of his father. All right, so they knew that the power that he had was in prayer because they wake up in the morning and he'd be gone even when he was exhausted because his power was received from the third heavens. Right. I.e. Yahweh. <clears throat> right. All right, and then when he went and he preached or he did miracles. Mm-hmm. He was overcoming, you said, what they thought about? Is yeah, that... he, was, he was challenging their presuppositions. Okay. Challenging their presuppositions, and their presuppositions always started with the gods, not with man. Right. In this time period. Right, right, right. So all of this is Jesus coming to set his Father's name right, yeah. for the glory of his Father's name and who God actually is, Right. overcoming the spiritual war, Correct. because he was casting out demons and healing sickness, and they would say, don't do this. And was it easier for me to say your sinner's forgiven or pick up your mat and, mat and walk? Because you're saying I shouldn't be able to do that physically, but I'm telling you it's a spiritual thing that I'm making physically available. Right. But he was here overcoming the gods. He was trying to set things back right the way that it was intended to be. Okay. He wasn't trying. He well, came I mean, to he, do that. He, right, was. Right, right. he was. He was. Sorry. But he was overcoming those authorities, powers, and principalities in the name and power of his Father by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, he was putting the transcendent God back on back on top, or like the way it was intended to be. So if you want to reform, do that. <laughs> okay. Make it about God, Yahweh's name. Right. Know that Jesus Christ led the way, 
and said, I'll never ask you to do anything that I haven't done before. Yeah. And I'll give you the same spirit that I I received from my father. And if you love him the way that I loved you, then you are coming home. Well, yeah, now you're describing acts because they all go and they wait. The spirit falls on them. And what happens? As soon as the spirit falls on them, boom, shakalaka, they're on mission. But they're against the God. Well, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. In we don't the, wage war against flesh and blood. Well, yeah, it? it's, it's a, it's a spiritual thing in the physical realm. So convergent, it, it's the convergent mm-hmm. space becoming a reality. That's why when you get the, the, the Daniel passage where he says, "God heard your prayer and I was coming, but I was held up, and Michael the archangel had to come and free me so I could get here." Okay, mm-hmm. well, that's where it's. That's so. I mean, this is an angel telling that to Daniel. So obviously the convergent space, I mean, there it is again. So, and that was before. So obviously it's still relevant it's now. The same. <laughs> yeah. It's the same. See, we think we are so scientifically smart. We're so during the 1500s right. was the enlightenment period. Correct. Wonder where the Protestant Reformation came from. People started thinking that we could now explain things that we depended on others for. Right. And we took that onus on ourselves. Right. But be careful that you don't think more highly of yourself than you, you ought, ought to, to yeah. because most of those that then fall in love with Calvinism mm-hmm. end up sounding like no one that you'd ever want to be around. Because if you're not going to be just like me, right, you're wrong. And well, and I shouldn't say like so. You you are sola scripture. Yeah, it's not just sola scripture, right? I mean, the scripture can be an idol. Interesting. For a religious person, mm-hmm. all it is is an argument book. Well, I mean, the Pharisees were doing that. You've heard it said. You've heard their opinion. But right. I say it's got to be in right relationship. Right. So if it's, you got to be in line with this one thing, why did he grab 12 idiots that were totally different? <laughs> so that they could learn the one thing that did matter. Right. And that's the love of God and the love of others at the cost of you thinking you're right all the time. Yeah. So if your theology leads you to a hard heart, your theology is not leading you into the right relationship. Now, I'm not saying salvation because I don't judge that. I, I don't, I'm right. not here to judge that. I'm not sent to judge that. I am saying that to seek the lost, to seek those that don't know, you could easily be doing more damage than you're doing good just by the presentation. Right. Well, I mean, if you if you present them in a sense of there is no hope, then you've given them no reason to even give you audience anymore. If your enemies are your brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to really start asking yourself, even if it's true, mm-hmm. in other words, even if you were right in your assessment, right? it can't be solo my assessment. It can't be solo my theology. It can't be solo the scripture. Right. Because... I can show you right now from a Western culture and an Eastern culture when I read that, it's just two different things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, it's the living word, and it's available to both the Eastern and the Western culture. You just start at one side, and you got to work to the other because you're willing to lay yourself down and your worldview to enter into their worldview to get the other side of the story. But if you're not willing to lay yourself down and make yourself available, the living word of God is not just when you read it. The living word of God is when you read it, internalize it, and then go on mission to live it out. So it's not just sola scripture. Right. Well, I mean, look at, with, with with that being said, the example of the woman at the well. One of the first things she says is, what are you to have to, anything to do with someone like me? 
So I mean, so there's there's a prime example of that right there. But then Jesus, you know, just goes right on right on along. He's like, eh, never mind that. I'm I'm thirsty. Because there's even more to that. He says, <laughs> well, oh, yeah. you don't know where what you worship. Because she was worshiping at Jacob's well. Right. They know what they worship. Right. And both y'all are wrong. Because when I'm done, <laughs> yeah. when you're not you're going to worship in spirit and truth. Right. Not in what you think and do. Right. Mm. Now, what you worship is what you're going to do, but you're right. going to do it out of the love of who you want to be and who you are, yeah. not because you're trying to achieve some kind of prize or goal. Yeah, it's a uh, Jesus singer, and it's a good one, too. It, it, well, I mean, all Jesus ever did was point back to this is about right relationship with my Father and us giving you the ability the love of love, the, the ability, the power. Power is a better word. Now, energy can be used the wrong way. Yeah. But I mean, the power and the love of God is a gift. Absolutely. When you receive the gift of the power and love of God, it leads to self-control. Mm. Because the Father gave it to you as a free gift. Mm. The free gift is about the giver. Not the gift, because yeah. the gift wasn't free. Come on with that. All right, so the most costly gift you've been purchased by, you were not your own. Mm -hmm. But here's a clue. You were never your own, because you were right. never your own master. You can't control the hairs or the breaths that you breathe. Right. The one that loved me is why he, he, we love, because he first loved us. They're going to know you by the way you love one another. Yeah. I'm going to give you a new commandment. It's not really new. It's just like the old, but I'm going to say it in a new way. <laughs> no, we just like it solo one way. <laughs> right? I mean, and it's like, I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, it's... It, it, it takes away from yeah. the excitement. Well, so, but I'm thinking about this now that you're, now that you're saying that, isn't that like the whole, the, the entire heartbeat of Romans though, like Romans where he's laying out that God is just and the justifier. That's why we have the law, so we can all look at it and realize that we're all failures and separated. Because one of the big things I saw was, and I read, started reading that church history book, but they were talking about how Paul was going to teach, and there were some that were saying, no, 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 you can't be in unless you're circumcised. And Paul and Peter were both saying, no, that's not, that's not what we're talking about and so but then they finally had made like a treaty basically with each other and i can't remember all the information because i just read it so it's like super new I, I like brushed over it and i was like yeah i have to read all this twice man but but yeah but that's what that's what you're talking about right there that's all the whole point is not to and once again it goes back to what jesus is saying don't think too highly of yourself i mean this is you can't we cannot come at it to other people with I'm right and you're wrong, and if you don't believe the way that I do, well, it's hell for you and heaven for me. I don't know if you've read it yet, but the Didache. The what? The Didache. Yeah. All right. The Didache is basically like a church handbook of expectations. They pretty much date it around 70 to 90 AD okay. out of Ephesus. So this is like 40 years after. Yes. And if it was between those years, that means John was the bishop. Oh, okay. Like the disciple that Jesus loved, John. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to have... That from that church at that point in time, mm -hmm. and it's literally their rule book. So it it reads like a rule book. You can do this, <laughs> you can't do that. You know, so it, right. it, it, it's it's not scripture. You're not going to. This is totally legalistic. No, it's the rule book. <laughs> you know, 
the rule book's going to be a little legalistic. I mean, it's, it's kind of the rules that we follow. But yeah. here's the heart of the rules, right? Right. So talking about baptism, they're mm-hmm. like, okay, so if you're going to baptize a new convert, baptize him in living water. But if you don't have living water, baptize them in a cold tub of water. Oh. But if you don't have living water or a cold tub of water, you can <laughs> baptize them in a warm tub of water. Yeah. And if you don't have living water, cold water, hot water tub, you can sprinkle them. Hmm. Sounds like, how about just get them into the kingdom? <laughs> the way the water is applied is what we're going to argue over. Uh-uh. Nope. Mm-mm. Oh, christening at seven at seven days. Uh, you know, well, that's that's you know pedial baptism. We don't believe that, but I want you to do baby dedication. Um, I'm sorry, but that's the same thing. I mean, it, you want us yeah. to dedicate your child into the kingdom of God, and yeah. that we're responsible for your child because of what we hope God's going to do in right. their heart, right? And then their life is going to prove whether God has pre-known them from uh. the foundation of the earth to where their baptism was the same baptism, whether they got it at seven days old or seventy-seven years uh, days. Right. Old. Now, as Baptists or as Presbyterians, well, I shouldn't even say Presbyterian because I don't know how I don't know how that goes across all denominations, right. but immersion, right? Of a believer's profession. Yeah. So it's supposed to be, you know, believer's baptism. Right. Now, I mean, when you change the terms, Mm -hmm. words matter. Yes. Okay. So I'm baptizing you as a believer. Yes. But if you are not a believer and I baptize you, I gave you a bath. Yeah, pretty much. At seven days old, if I sprinkled some water on you and it wasn't what it really was about, then just sprinkled water. I just made you cry in front of the crowd. I mean, I, 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 the heart condition, the, the, the why we do what we do, the, the, why we say what we say, the, 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 the desire of the heart right. is what God has come to change, Yeah, not argue over all of the outer stuff. Isn't it, so, isn't it so funny that it's almost like what you're describing is missing the mark? And we, we grow when we're persecuted mm-hmm. because we need each other, and it really doesn't matter about our arguments anymore because right. the world is crushing us to where we don't argue over our own rights. Right. And that makes us brothers and sisters that need each other. Right. But you take away the pressure, you take away the suffering, you take away the things that, oh, well, that shouldn't happen to me. I'm a believer in God. No, God's doing that so that you'll stay in the right place right? long enough to catch on to what's going on. Well, as history has said over and over and over again. I mean, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, I mean, like, as, as you're, as you're giving, giving me the information for, you know, again, I'm, I'm just, a lot of it is, you know, connecting together more and more and more. And it basically goes back to the same thing. Like, we are being Rome. When we don't have, you know, when we don't have an enemy, we turn on each other and we're, we start arguing over baths, basically, and in what state bath water you're dunked in and things, things of that such. And it's like, what does that matter, dude? Like, I mean, what does that matter? But, you know, some people are absolutely adamant about it. I mean, they're, they're full blown fist fight. You can't come to this church. I don't want you around here. I don't want my kids around you and da da da. And it's like, oh yeah, bro, totally feel the love of Jesus in that. And they they are sacred sacraments as far as baptism. Baptism is no, I mean, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and like marriage, and, and I mean, so they there are there are things that are worth 
being just, non-negotiable. Right, yeah, you know, yeah, there's a lot yeah. of negotiables. Not many things are non-negotiable. Right. Um, I mean, the blood of Christ is non-negotiable. Absolutely. Um, the say the, the the sacredness of baptism is a non-negotiable. Correct. Um, but you do it to be like Christ. Yes. If you stop being like Christ while arguing over a sacred thing, right? They're going to tell you that you're my disciple because you love one another. Right. If you're fighting over how you're going to enter into the sacred thing that you're going to do, right. I think you might want to leave that at the altar and go get right with your brother first. Well, right. Well, let's think, let me think about Peter. Peter's going, they ain't going to take you, Jesus. They ain't going to take you. And uh, who, didn't he get rebuked? Pride. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, this is, get behind a, me, Satan, is actually what he said. It's, just, it's the same thing. I mm-hmm. mean, the problem is we're not, you know, so many people want to put themselves in scripture. It's like, you don't want you don't think you're the knucklehead right there. All right. I mean, so is is it out of the realm of possibility that you're not being aware of what you're actually saying because mm-hmm. you don't it doesn't line up with what you believe specifically? I see you in it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. Well, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna say I was gonna say earlier when you said that Jesus got twelve, you know dummies or whatever to to teach them and all that and i was like man thank god for his compassion on dummies because uh both hands raised over here there's scriptures that say i mean you weren't anything special when you came into this yeah absolutely meaning if you continue to think you're something special you're not in this right but um, that's what and that's what i get taught i want to use an example here as you kind of load up for the for the next part but when we do we do worship nights sometimes and we've gotten together with uh, people that we've been in worship teams with and stuff like that. One of the guys that I do worship music with, he leads worship at another church and we'll get together and we'll, <clears throat> you know, I drive, I'm the you know, worship leader at our church and he's worship leader at his, like I said, and we'll get together. And sometimes I kind of let him, him drive in those moments. And I had a congregant come up to me afterwards and she said, it's really encouraging to me that God keeps teaching you that you have the ability to lead, but you have no problem stepping back and letting someone else do it. She was like, you should really be thankful that God's teaching you that lesson and that you're listening. And I, of course, being ignorant to it, didn't really think anything about it, but I'm learning now that, that that's a very valuable lesson that I, that I, that God's teaching me. And if I'm not paying attention to it and praise God that she told me and brought it to my attention, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Good leaders want things to be raised up so that I don't have to be a part of it so because it won't fall apart once I'm gone. You know, and that that's the whole idea inside of it. Yes, it has to get started and the wheels have to get turning, but it shouldn't be dependent upon me. Otherwise, it's not a ministry. And it's not servant leadership. <clears throat> right. So if it's not servant leadership, then it's not the leadership by the design that God gave us by the suffering servant. Well, correct. And enjoy and remember that. Because you'll hear the opposite from people that uh, have their own version or vision of what's supposed to be happening. And then they'll tell you that yes, you're, you do. don't even listen to, to rules and you got a problem with authority. And you're like, who, who made, there's only, a, I didn't do anything <laughs> against the authority. Uh, oh, Jesus isn't the authority. Okay, my bad. I, I see. I, I, I've crossed your authority. Oh. Um, my bad, dog. Yeah, my, my, my bad. So <laughs> you'll, you'll be told the opposite in the fact that you enter into it with a servant leader heart right allows you to when that happens at least i don't have to believe that at least i don't have to struggle with the truth of you saying i don't follow or i don't submit to authority because right you know i'm pretty sure every day that i wake up 
to die to myself is to always be doing that. Right. So it's a lot easier for somebody to point at something that I know that I do and say that right. I'm not doing it than something that I know I struggle with because then I think that's exposed and, and, I, and I, I've done it again, basically, type thing. Well, right. I mean, if, if it's something I do struggle with. Yeah, and, and, and not saying that I, that I haven't struggled mm-hmm. with it before because totally have. And I've also been on the on the other side of it too, where like what you're talking about, where you know, in prayer and preparing and things like that, and being convicted of other things, going back to the worship team and then making making a statement of you know, I don't feel comfortable singing this because of this, and then having somebody else tell me, well, it doesn't really matter what you think because we're going to do this because this is this is what I think. And, you know, it's, I mean, it is, it is what it is, but I, like I said, like, I don't have to explain myself to you. I already told you the reasons why. And if you don't respect that, then dude, fine. I don't care. I'm not answering to you when right. I die. <laughs> like, I mean, it is what it is. Either you hear it with a heart of I'm your brother in Christ, or you hear it with, no, nah, I'm the boss around here. I don't care if your name's on, I don't care if it says that you do this, I run this joint. And there's where it's a blessing to have a servant, yes. A, a, sorry, a, a servant leadership part because okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. And I, and I am for the one that I love and worship going to still do the same thing I was going to do, right? But when whatever God was trying to keep me away from does come, right? Just remember it was <laughs> that was your idea, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can forgive, but forget never sit nowhere in the Bible to say forget. No, I'm, but I, because it remembers in their life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's important to recall. doesn't mean that you're not going to give people an opportunity to, you know, reconcile by any means whatsoever. That's, it doesn't say not to do that right. because that is a thing. But also at the same time too, it doesn't say just be like, oh, well, I just forgot all about it. No, you learned a very valuable lesson from it. What did you learn from the lesson? That's what you're supposed to remember. I mean, that's the thing you take away from, and I think we all we all could we all could use a little bit more than that. But it doesn't mean that we can't give that person grace and give that person mercy because we want it from God. We're designed to we're, we're designed we're called in the design to give the mercy and grace. Yes, but we're also told to give reminders. Because <laughs> I remember when me and you talked about this, and uh, this is happening. And I'm just giving you a reminder. You remember when I said. And and you're like, oh, that's not loving. Well, actually, Paul says, I'm here to remind you of how you were <laughs> called into this. And I'm here to remind you what you entered into. And I'm right. here to remind you by the scriptures. I'm not here to teach anymore once you're in. Right. The Holy Spirit's a teacher. Right. But I am here to remind you because mm-hmm. we're here to remind each other. Yeah. And, that's and there's a, a loving way to do it. Don't get me wrong. Well, I think it's in, isn't it in First Corinthians where he says how easily, how quickly you have forgotten and returned back to the things that you were doing before? It's all, well, it's Galatians 1 oh, that you're gotcha. talking about. But yeah, yeah, either okay. way, yes, I, the, it's a repeated theme. Yeah. That's the reason you have your brothers and sisters is so that they can remind you. Right. When, I mean, Paul and uh, <clears throat> Barnabas and... Uh, Peter, yeah, Peter. Right when he gets on to Peter about pulling away when the Jews got there from yeah, eating with yeah, the Gentiles, yeah. and he had, I mean, he reminded him by rebuke. So even if I want to be sarcastic, there's a biblical example of that too. <laughs> I can show you where God's sarcastic. It's a godly trait. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, in the Old Testament, there's a lot of sarcasm in the Old Testament. Yeah, <laughs> I know that there is. The one I can think of is Elijah, where he talks about where's your God at? Is he defecating? No, I'm talking about like God. Like, 
Oh, when you say that, I laugh at you. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm talking. I'm just giving another example, but I mean, it, it, it is in there. It's in there a good bit. All right. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do I? Is there anything else you want to do, or do, do you think this is a good stopping point? What you want to do? The, the premise that we were building out. Sorry. Getting ready for no, no, not, not sorry. We're building up because we're going to do chaos in order next week, right? Well, yeah. Unless you want to do another part of this. Okay. The premise is to get to some things, some topics that we're going to start to unpack. But before we got to those topics, it was about trying to see the world, have a worldview of the original author to the original audience Mm -hmm. about what Jesus taught. So to understand what Jesus taught, we have to understand his worldview and then be able to apply it to that theology instead of other theology, whatever theology you may or may not have had and, and... it's going to be about the convergent space mm-hmm. of the three, but yet one heavens, mm-hmm. all equally important, but they have to be in right relationship. Absolutely. So I guess the only other thing is like clarification is the first heavens is the material realm that if I say, hey, look, there's a bird in the heavens and you look up, that's the heavens mm-hmm. to them. But to us, because we are... Blessed with science. That's the sky. Well, in the sky, it's it, so there's anyway. That was that was going to be a rabbit on the Hebrew words, but either way, <laughs> when when we're talking about the first heavens, because we've got the Hubble telescope and we understand more about the science and the depth, right? The first heavens are the material creation, so it's as big as you want. But right. to them, the first heavens was the ruah, the sky. Right. right. Yeah. All right. So when when we start, not ruah. Anyway. When you look at the sky, that's your first heavens. When you tap your arms, that's in the first heavens, mm-hmm. physical realm, mm-hmm. physical creatures. We were created to rule this realm. Yes. All right. In a mirror image of a heavenly realm, which is the second heavens, right. that was created before us because according to Job, they witnessed the yes. creation of the first heavens in mm-hmm. the second heavens. Mm-hmm. Now, the third heavens is the very throne room of God. Amen. So that means that the third heavens has always been. Yes. Because we're not going to answer the kid's question about where did God come from right here and right now. But it's the third heavens, the community of God has always been. Mm -hmm. And he created a heavenly host in his image. Mm -hmm. And then that's the the third heavens to the second heavens. Correct. And then the second heavens with the third heavens witnesses the creation of the first heavens. Right. In the Garden of Eden, all three are together in one place. Yep. The God walked in the cool of the morning. Yep. That's cherubim and Satan, once again, would have been a divine creature to the original author, to the original audience. Half yep. man, half serpent from Egypt would have absolutely been known to be a B'nai Elohim, a divine individual. Mm-hmm. It, uh, don't you want to be wise like us? I'm sure you misunderstood. The temptation came from the second heavens mm-hmm. to the first heavens in the first strike of the cosmic battle, the first and second heavens. Now, why is that important, Eric? It's important because convergent space Mm -hmm. means that we were born dead, spiritually separated from God, and only only alive in the first heavens. Right. Now, with that said, in the first heavens, there's examples. You said Elijah. Elijah's on top of a mountain. The armies of Assyria are below him, and he he says to... uh, is his apprentice he's like why are you so nervous and scared he's like well we're gonna die look at all the and he's like god can you just show him your armies yeah 
and he opens up his spiritual eyes to see the flaming chariots and the army of God in and around the mountain. That it's like wild, dude. And it made the physical army insignificant yeah. because of being able to see it. Now, it was always there. Right. But we didn't have the ability to see it or hear it. Right. Angels appear. It's not like, and then two guys walked up from a distance and come to find out they were angels. <laughs> It's like we were watching Jesus float away on the clouds, filling the Canaanite God of riding on the clouds. And we were in awe of how everything is really about Yahweh made available through Christ. And then, bam, there was these two angels that said, what are you guys doing? Didn't I tell you to go do something? Or didn't he tell you to go do something? <laughs> and it's like, whoa, whoa, wait. But they were there. Right. They just couldn't see him. And then they could. Yeah. And then they did what they were sent for. Right. But, I mean, the angel of the Lord appears. They're, over and over and over, you yeah. have this, and this appeared. Right. Um, there's a great cloud of witnesses around us. That's a truth claim. Yes. There's a spiritual realm, first and second heavens, and third heavens were all together mm -hmm. when separation or the first split yeah. and the three but yet one happened. It's the third heavens that separated from the first and second heavens and became the footstool to the third heavens. Mm. So now you've got, if you've pictured... Their their cosmology was even different than ours. But if you picture the earth with the footstool, right. the third heavens is on top, and yeah. then the first and second heavens are still connected. Yeah. Now, those in the second heavens were in the third heaven court. Right. So they could leave their natural relationship right. and enter into the first heavens without permission, mm -hmm. which set them at odds with Yahweh because they wanted to be like the most high, because they wanted to be able to take their rule, because they wanted to be able to follow their own heart, mm. there's that spirit of them breaking their natural relationship. That sounds real familiar. So then God sends his son to reverse that breaking for his will instead of outside of his will to then make a door back mm. unto those that are his mm -hmm. to regain back his third of his children because a third of his heavenly children failed. And there's a swap of a three but three, maybe, maybe another podcast either way. Well, and, and to go back to Ephesians right there, what you're talking about again, the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I mean, that's Ephesians one, three, again, it's, it, that's what you're talking about right here. And this is the fruition of the father's plan. Yahweh. Correct. By Christ from the third heavens to do what? To bring the first and second heavens back together. Yes. Because the others are going to be banished to the pit of hell Correct. eventually when, when all things are consummated. Right. But you've never been anywhere but inside of God's hands. We're right. going back to his original design. His original design was to have right relationship between the first and third and the second heavens. Right. And we're headed there. Right. Well, it's like you, it's like you tell me sometimes all the pieces go back in the box. Yes. I mean, that's when you, when you, when you put it to me that way, I was like, yeah, you're totally right. I mean, this is this is God's creation. He's the ultimate authority. Guess what? It's like, no, you don't you don't get something that's not yours. That's mine. And it goes back in the box the way that I wanted it to be. You're either in or you're out. I don't know what I don't know how 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 much plainly I or I don't know how I could say that any any more straightforward. God's not giving Satan anything. No. So everything Satan promises you is a lie because he can't sustain it. Right. And that's what I always try to tell people. And, you know, and I'm open to being corrected if, you know, if I'm wrong and all that. But there's a lot of, I hear a lot of people, you know, 
going after you know or, or blaming the devil and all and, and and things like that not saying that that's not not possible you know because yes he can tempt you no know, you no know, how whatever but the idea that it it almost comes off to me sometimes like you're giving you're giving the the devil more power than he really should have you're 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 giving him a lot a lot more ammunition than i than i think you should so what is that called oh man all right so we'll even (laughs) we'll even say it this way pick one of these three words he should know the other two okay and tell me which one that is okay moralistic okay therapeutic deism would be deism right yeah because he knows the other two all right, so yes, moralistic is just what you do, you know. Right. All right, and then therapeutic is to make yourself feel better about right. what you do. Right. And most people, what they profess to as Christian mm-hmm. in our culture, right, is moralistic therapeutic yeah. deism, meaning I do right so that I can make myself feel better because God and Jesus. They're arm wrestling over me, and I can't wait to see who wins. I'm just going to sit here and wait and see, and he's coming back to get me because I think he's going to beat the devil. I think so. I'm just going to sit right here and wait. And and, and as funny as it is, that's why they, that I'm telling you right now. It's, I'm not laughing at so anyone specifically. It's I, I call that, when I go into the jails and prisons, yeah. my Tom and Jerry theology. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, you had Tom the cat, and you had Jerry the mouse, and Tom would always want to go after Jerry. Right. So Tom would be sitting there, and he'd look at Jerry, and then there'd be an angel, poof, on one shoulder, and the devil would poof on the other shoulder, and the devil would walk over the angel, and he'd kick him off of his shoulder, and then he'd go about the show trying to do whatever, and then right. you got Tom all jacked up, black eyes, he always <laughs> had the broken limbs and the little stick, and yeah. then all of a sudden, poof. The angel would pop back up, and the devil poof would pop back up, and the, then the angel would kick the devil off of his off of his shoulder, and it's like that's Christianity. <laughs> People believe that. I mean, the devil made me do it. Okay, the, the devil definitely loved for you to do it, and right. he, he even set in your mind certain thoughts. Hey, we can't even. He is the tempter and the liar, the father of lies. Because that's all he's ever done. Right. But you chose, and you're responsible for your choice, one way or the other, and. When we do that, what the the beauty of the theology that is true is you are on mission or you're not. Yeah. It says, I am the door and the gatekeeper opens and the one who comes to the door is a shepherd. Mm -hmm. You can't enter the door of a shepherd without being a shepherd. Right. You can't enter into the mission of Christ without being on the mission of Christ. Right. If you don't want to you might need to check your salvation. And I'm not saying that in hate. I'm saying that in love. And I'm not saying that I'm judging anybody. What I'm saying is the scripture says, I'm the author and the perfecter, and I will be organically changing you. You will be growing fruit. You will be able to tell them by their fruit. You will be able to tell them by their love. You will see change or else you should ask serious, serious questions because there's the least in heaven. That's true too. Right. Well, it's the same thing you always say. It's an encouragement and a warning. Every time. And that's what it, that's what it boils down to. It's just to, I mean, the thing about it is, and once again, I want to remind everyone that you're not doing anything that God doesn't see. So stop thinking that you've put, you've, you've pulled a Harry Potter and you got the invisibility cloak on. You're like, Oh, good. Now that I'm under the cloak, I, I can, I can sort this thing out real fast. And, and, and God won't know about it. Uh, no. Once again, you're deceived. 
So omniscient means I know everything. Yeah. Omnipresent means I have to be everywhere. <laughs> so these are like God words, you know? Yeah. But most people compartmentalize and think that they have a, a secret place that he doesn't know about. No, he knows that and has invited you into this right. through that. Right. Um, Ephesians 3 is, like I said, the whole the whole book of Ephesians is about this spiritual convergent space. Right. But when you get over to 3, I always love the one about the manifold wisdom, but he says... He's been able, by the grace of God, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Messiah, yeah, and to bring the light to everyone. What was the what? What is what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in Yahweh, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of Yahweh might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Mm -hmm. This is according to his eternal purpose that he's now realized in Jesus Christ, our Lord, so that we can have bold access and confidence through faith. But what he just said was, I get to go to the people that were told they were outcasts yeah, and tell them about the plan that God's always had to invite them in. Amen. Because we're showing the second heavens who he is and what he does. Yeah, so baby. I'm making his name known to those that will love him, to those that tried to usurp him. Mm -hmm. And when you bring those three elements in, it's no different today. You do not wage war against flesh and blood. You wage war against someone and what they believe. Right. And there is no difference in the person and what they believe. Like the, the silliness of, oh, God hates the sin, but he doesn't hate the sinner. No, there's plenty of scriptures that said, no, I hate the sinner. I hate the sinner. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's because they, they're, they're serving other gods. I mean, you're, you're in, because that's, that's the reality of it. And that's what he's trying to make you aware of. That's why it's so, why it's so critical and crucial that you evaluate yourself and you test yourself, see, see if you're in the faith or not. There's, I mean, there's a reason that it's in there. It's not just in there because like, oh. That was a good little bit right there. I'm glad he put that in there but so he could connect the other parts. That's why he put that in there. It's like, uh, no, dum-dum. Uh, Big Dan's going to walk you through this one. And it's not about man. No. It happens to be about God. <laughs> yes. So as we were talking about before, some people be like, I just can't worship an evil God that just goes around and kills everybody and says, devote everything that breathes to his <laughs> worship. I mean, when yeah. I go back and I'm reading it and it's like, oh, just kill everybody. And I'm going to be like, yeah, you know what? Jesus doubles down and says, oh, you shouldn't only fear the one that will take your life. You should fear the one that will take your life in your spirit because that's why he did it. Because yeah. you're going to hell if you don't stop worshiping this world yeah. and those gods. Absolutely. And that's what he was trying to physically show you. Right. We don't know what happened with them, but we do know what Jesus says is going to happen to us. And it gives and it gives a whole new meaning to Matthew ten, where he says, "Don't don't be afraid of the one that can destroy your body. Be afraid of the one that can destroy your body." That's why I'm saying your, Jesus doubled down. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and your soul, because he's basically saying is like you're serving these other gods, but guess what? You're going to suffer the same fate as them if you don't wake up, dude. You keep making. You've heard it said that they're worried about what you do here and now. I'm yeah. telling you right now, you better be more worried about what you're going to do here and now and for all of eternity, because you're a spiritual being that's going to be in an eternal relationship, right. in or out. Well, that's not fair. Yeah, he's God. Didn't really ask what was fair. I mean, that's that's what he said. And you can either submit to that and fall in love with it, or you can rebel and prove everything that God is trying to warn you about. Well, those who are not aware of history are doomed to repeat it. So with all the information that we have coming out now that you can look back to, not some, once again, not saying it's canon or anything like that, but it's history. Mm -hmm. It's for you to go back, and God has made it available 
in this time with the internet access, you can get access to all these things, all these different books and all that stuff. You can become aware of this. And then when you start to stack up history with where you're at in the current time, if you're not going to pay attention, you are doomed to repeat the exact same thing. So that that's another thing that I, you know, and that's why we're trying to encourage people to be aware of this stuff. You know, this is for the betterment and it's, and it's for you to have a better understanding of where you're at in your relationship with God. It's a, it's, it's an encouragement and a warning. And yes, we're trying to build this entire platform so that we have other people who will walk with you through this. And as you have questions, we can discuss and we can all learn and we can all grow and we can all walk in what God has planned since the beginning. And no matter what, it comes down to your heart, Mm -hmm. what you love. All things work for the good of those who love the Lord, called according to his purpose, which is to be in the image of his son. Right. But if you go back and you read the Apocrypha as history Mm -hmm. and not in pursuit of a loving relationship with the one that allowed the history or wrote the history, then you're going to find what you look for just like he says you know when you're doing what you're doing do it in the the hidden place because that's where you're doing it for the father but if you do it out loud just for everybody else to see that's that moralism therapeutic moralistic therapeutic when you're doing that that's all you're going to get so you can go learn the history and the history can be really boring or the history can be really good if you really like like history but it's just facts yeah it should be a pursuit to know God more mm. in all things. Yeah. Whether you eat, you drink, you sit down, you lie so down, glory you work. Glory God, you, baby. But when that becomes true, mm-hmm. you stop arguing over the things that you don't understand and you start to realize everything is by revelation. It's not mm. going to be what you find. It's going to be what God shows you because right. God is God and you're not. Mm-hmm. If you think you found it, and oh, let me tell you what I found. Oh, can't wait to hear this. <laughs> but if you say, let me show you what God revealed to me, and yeah. then he allowed me to find, yeah. then, then that's, a, that's that convergent space. With, without mm. the convergent space, without the spiritual life, mm-hmm. it's all for naught. Yeah. With the spiritual life, it doesn't matter what your gifting is. Mm. You're called to give what you got and who you are. Yeah. And... If it, it, I don't have time. No, you've got time. You just spend it on other things. Mm-hmm. Well, why do I spend it on other things? Because you love whatever it is you're spending your time on. Mm-hmm. Well, it says abide, abide, abide. This is in Sunday school. Abide, abide, abide. And I was like, yeah, like 50-something yep. times. I think it's pretty important to John, right? I mean, it, it <laughs> seems to be something he repeats to. Because, you know, they, they, they were making a moral lesson out of the vine. It's like... Right. Okay, but the key is to abide. Right. If you would just abide in me as I abide in the Father, mm-hmm. fruit would flow through you. Mm-hmm. And that was not the limit. So when you look at that, so why don't we abide? Right. Why do we read that? And the one thing we skip over is the abiding because we don't know how. Right. It's because you're trying to find out and do how your way. Right. It's a God thing. I understand that. And it's a gift, 
so cry out to God and, and, and ask him for the gift of mm. removing the things you love in this world and mm. replacing it with the love of who he is. And he'll be faithful to that prayer because Amen. that prayer is in his name. And he promised in his name, he will give you that result. If you honestly want, desire, the love of God, he's going to give it to you. But then he's going to say, you have to stop this and this and this. And then choices are made. Absolutely. Time, time's going to be a big one. I mean, yeah. he's going to demand a lot of the things about your time. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, when, when you hit me with that, it was, <laughs> I think you asked me, you're like, well, do me a favor. Walk, walk me through your day. So I, so I started doing it and you're like, okay, so what you just said was, and then you recited it all back to me. And I was like, so I guess I'm mismanaging my time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, was the was the way it was the way it basically broke down. You know, but but in like with all things, there is a balance to it. Mm-hmm. Like you like you've told me before. Like you know, for for instance, Sunday is a very busy day for us. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like a work day to me. So I get Friday and Saturday, and a lot of my Saturdays are taken up with other things that are going on. So I've gotten to where now. Last Friday, or yeah, this this past Friday, I made it a mission to stay up till like twelve because just to have time for myself to do do those things, blow off steam, you know, whatever whatever that may be. And I regretted it so much the next day because I have trained my body now to go to bed at a decent time, to wake up earlier in the morning so I can get the things done that I want to get done, and then the things that I have to get done. So. It is about managing. So all we're all we're saying is, yes, you do you do have the time, but want to just take one day, one day, just jot down how you spend your time, and I guarantee that there is time in there, and you'll start to see what's actually important and what you think is important. Where we were talking about bio life, psyche life, and Zoe life, right? If bio life, you were going to start cutting weight. Yeah, first thing you do is take a dictionary or a uh count you you would account for everything that you eat diary you would take a eating diary for seven days right and not change anything and write down everything that goes in your mouth i mean that's right. all you got to do is yeah. write it down i'm not even saying change it just write it down <laughs> yeah. and then we find out you're like eating 7600 calories a day and it's like okay <laughs> so where do we start to, to to subtract once we get it's it's about a lifestyle so yeah a worldview with a lifestyle yeah. off of that worldview so then once we see what we're doing mm-hmm. all right there it is all right, now it's going to be easy to cut a lot of this stuff out because it's stuff that you didn't even realize you were eating. But now that you realize it, you yeah. you start to see what it. Well, there's the law. The law has been given so you can right. see it. Now yeah. that I've seen it, I I got to come up with an answer for right. it. All right, now the answer is eating clean ninety percent of the time and having one cheat meal a week will basically allow you to. On Wednesday, Mick comes in. He's got pizza, and it smells so good. And I'm eating. I'm, eat, I'm eating what I'm supposed to. When we figure out what you should be eating for your, you know, BMI and, and daily and everything, and you pick, you know, protein, your macros, and all that. When once we dial that in, here comes Mick, and he's got like deep dish pizza, and it's like smelling. And you're like, oh my gosh, the carbs <laughs> and the cheese. It literally looks like the commercial because you're hungry. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I'm getting pizza on my cheat meal. Saturday night was always my Saturday night. I'm getting pizza. I'm getting pizza. But then my buddy comes in. He's he's eating catfish on Friday, and it's like, oh, catfish. But see, I have a time right set in the future 
that I get to eat pizza and, or catfish. Right. I just don't do it all the time. Right. What happens is, what happened to you with staying up at midnight, because I have set such a lifestyle and pattern, my lifestyle and pattern start to protect me because of the system of what I've done right. to where when I eat that grease, I can't get out of the restaurant. It's like my body's like, oh, and it's like, oh my gosh. So after two or three weeks of your cheat meal being, I wish I wouldn't have eaten that. I wish I wouldn't have eaten that. You start to realize your body doesn't even want it. Yeah. What wants it is you, your mental, your psyche life says, ooh, that smells Smells good and looks good. Walks like a duck, stops like a duck, must be a duck. But it's not good for you. And your body's like, oh no. And it rejects it. (laughs) I'm telling you, start seeing where your time management is. Mm-hmm. And then find out how to manage your time to be able to set a lifestyle, a habit, a system that you do each day. And then if you want to say 12 hours on Saturday or 12, say, say you're a big football fan, you're going to, you, you, you can watch football all day from 12 to 12. All day. But what's going to happen is you're going to have set a pattern to where you're enjoying what you're reading. God's asking you to finish researching something. You're going to get to Saturday afternoon. You'll be like, that first game doesn't even send. I mean, it's a noon game. It really doesn't even matter. Those, uh, not, my team's not playing. And you're going to find yourself cutting into that 12 hours because yeah. of the love of the things he's showing you and changing about you to where that's not as important as it used to be. Right. But if you just watch TV all the time, then you never, you've never, you, you were born dead spiritually, separated from God. Dead? I'm not dead. <laughs> well, you're not alive. I'm alive. No, you've just never known what alive is. You've always been dead. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, until you enter into it, you don't know what you're really talking about because yeah. you've never actually been, been part of it. Right. Um, if you've ever really gotten serious about your bio life and cut some weight and seen your body change, there's a certain feeling of the dopamine and the serotonin that you are meant to receive for the work that you're putting in because you were created for that stewardship and the stewardship then cleans up your mind because the things that you're eating are now free to, to, to actually make your body and your mind connect the way that it's supposed to, which then if there is a spiritual life, allows the brain to worship and the creator even clearer and, mm-hmm. and, and better through the things that you're doing because you're proud and not having to have shame and guilt yeah. that you're not achieving. And, and not that you're achieving everything because you're still going to have failures, but you're also, you, you actually care. I mean, yeah. you're trying. Well, it's, 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 it's warring against what society has put in front of us, which is instant gratification. We live in a very much microwave society. So a lot of things, if it's not, get ripped in 21 days people won't even entertain the idea because it's too much work but if they would but if you begin to do the work where you start to see like i think about it with reading with reading books yeah it takes me a long time to get through them because well a i haven't i haven't done it as often as i need to be doing it but as i go when i get through with it and i close that book that i finished it there is like the first thing i do is get up and walk to my walk to the bookshelf and go what am I going to read next? Right. Because it's because you are actually getting it the way that it was designed, which is you put the work in, you make the sacrifices. And then when you get done, you get that rush of, I want to do it again. And you've learned things along the way you've grown and you, you don't even realize it. There's a couple of times we've been talking and you would ask me a question about something and I would spout out the answer. And then you'd be like, right. And then you'd keep on going. And then, Holy spirit kind of reminded me. It was like, you know, you used to not know that. Amen. <laughs> I was like, 
oh that's cool mm-hmm. you know, you know? Yeah, but that's that's where that that reward part comes in and then you realize that the hard work was worth it yeah it took a little longer to get there but I'm thankful because I learned so many things along the way and it wasn't just this instant instantaneous gratification because when you get the instantaneous gratification that's the only thing that satisfies you anymore so it, it but that but the only reason that it's that way is because that's your reality and you are not operating in the way it was originally like with with kids with with farms and stuff like that and you had to wake up in the morning you had to go eat and all that stuff when people when they got to that meal they loved that meal because they worked for that meal. It wasn't, oh, I'm just going to run down the road and grab a McDonald's real fast. I didn't have to kill it. I didn't have to cook it. I just had to pay for it and I get to enjoy it. And so you're, you're kind of, so yeah, when you go and do and do it the, the long, the hard way, of course you don't like it. You're not going to like it at first, but as you go throughout the process, like you were saying, you get the real reward of God allowed me and I, and I earned it a little bit. I actually, did the work, you know, and I, I got, I'm getting the the payout for it. I'm reaping the reward and the benefit and, you know, praise God for it really, honestly, in, in my opinion, that's just the way it's been in my life. You got anything else you want to, you want to add or I don't know if I'm going to kill any more rabbits today. Cause we just, I, we were at like chaos and order. And then I was trying to wrap worldview. And the next thing, you know, we were talking about yeah, you know, lifestyles yeah. and dieting. But I think that was just trying to throw in some real-world application right. into this, like how it all comes together. So my last input on lifestyles and how it comes together when you were just sharing what you were sharing is instant gratification is always going to take all of your means. Right. Like paycheck to paycheck, all of your means. This is something I learned later in life. As you start to change your worldview uh, and, and, and the things that the gospel makes av- you aware of available to you, um, delayed gratification is when you save money, you, you delay what you were going to buy because you're going to save that money mm-hmm. until you can purchase it out of your delayed gratification to be able to do it without the shame and the guilt. But it also stewards that mental side and that spiritual side of it's not about me. I don't always have to have my way that God is the one that's given me the ability to work. If Mm -hmm. I work and I, I'll be able to enjoy this in the right relationship once I can afford it the right way. Mm -hmm. And there's no, there's no part of our life that is not convergent space. Once you understand that it's all about your, it's all about the communal Mm -hmm. elements of the truth of God and the spirit. Amen. And the truth of this physical world that he's placed you on the stage of Mm -hmm. and how you process that, which is your mind, your psyche life. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're all connected and they have to be in right relationship and they're all equally important. So, I mean, absolutely. uh, when you read your gospel, you go back and you're saying, okay, on mission, I can do this and this according to scripture. But it says I'm doing this for the glory of God. How do I understand to make this about the glory of God with what I'm about to go do? Mm-hmm. I I hope and pray that that's what you pray for as far as relationship with God is to have the Holy Spirit in relationship to where when you see me at Walmart, I'm not talking to myself, mm. <laughs> but I'm usually in conversation. Yeah. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope that you have taken away information that will help you and challenge 
what you believe for the benefit of growing in our walk with God. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can join us on Patreon. It is uh, patreon.com slash faithfleshedout. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at faithfleshedout. If you have any questions or comments or want to get involved, you can contact us at our email. It is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, that is faithfleshedout at gmail.com. Once again, we thank you for joining us. We love y'all. And say bye, Eric. Bye, Eric. We'll see y'all.